Friday, December the 30th. Hope everybody had a very happy Christmas and a nice holiday as we get ready to celebrate the new year. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. A little under the weather today. Luckily, I recorded a couple of our segments before the voice really started to go, so I won't try to uh, force it. We'll just do our best to get in and out with some of our segments today. But what we will be talking is Friday racing from Gulfstream and from Santa Anita. Then we'll get you Saturday Santa Anita racing as well. We'll get some NFL Week 17 with Eric. We'll get into those NFL Week 17 game previews. This week in wrestling with Chad Cooper on a loaded episode of That's What G Said podcast that is presented by Better Than Dot Vegas at DTV Bets. Give them a follow there for great insight, information, analysis, everything in the world of sports at BTV Bets on Twitter. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel at BTV Bets. Let's dive into NFL Week 17. Eric joins us and we get into all the games, playoff implications, teams that have clinched, everything going on in the NFL Week 17 right now with Eric. Next game is another ugly, ugly. These are the ugly games that you start to get around this time of the year. So you've got the Arizona Cardinals, four and 11, seven and eight against the spread. You've got Atlanta, five and 10 straight up, eight and seven against the spread. You've got Atlanta as a three and a half point favorite here. We've got McSorley, we've got Ritter, but it does look like Colt McCoy is, is able to play in this game, right? Yeah, he got out of concussion protocol. Okay. Um, you know what? I will say this. Uh, the you know the cards did cover for me. You know, got Cliffy as a dog. They they did, and um, I, the only thing I ask is like, just you know, you look at simple things about the box score of this game, right? If you even if you didn't watch one snap, one play of that game, Cardinals against the Bucks, and you look at the box score, so they're playing with a third string quarterback, McSorley. Why is this guy throwing forty five passes in in a game when know. when they and, and again like they weren't trailing. At any point, it was a, it was a back and forth game that was like a three point game throughout. They were never down in that game. If anything, they were up late. It wasn't like they were trailing by twenty and they had to throw all the time. So he had forty five passes. It's like their EPA per play on the rush was way better than the pass, which never happens. Hopkins was targeted ten times and only caught one pass for four yards. I mean, they had a ten point lead going into the fourth quarter, and they're still throwing the ball. Even though Connor I mean, is a, is been running the ball pretty well, yeah, the game plan and maybe that's just the respect for Tampa's defensive line. Yeah, they, it could be. be able to run on them. Um, normally, when I watch games, I have the sound on. I'm still visiting family for my parents for the holiday and everything. Um, so when we had to watch the game, the sound was on. Just listen to I think it was Aikman who does the Monday Night Football stuff now. How he was just hammering the point home. You have to get the ball. I mean, or maybe it was Collins. I don't know. Um, you have to get the ball to Hopkins. I'm like, dude, there's a reason McSorley is a third string quarterback. Yeah. You can't push the ball down the field. No. He was ripping on him for the dink and dunking. That's all he can do. He's a third string quarterback for a I reason. Um, you know, McCoy coming in, I really think is going to open stuff up a little bit. But on the flip side, I really feel the Cardinals are going to be a little bit overvalued here. They do struggle defending the run. The Falcons do like to run the ball. I'm if if this line gets to that like three, two and a half, which it could because it, it did open up at four, four and a half. I would look to take the Falcons, but um kind of a, it's a bad number right here at the three. It's and a half. bad number. You know, I wouldn't I'm not gonna 
touch or do anything. Yeah, they had more total de- uh, more total yards, more first downs, ran 17 more plays last week, but they had to settle for field goals in two possessions and on downs. Um, Ritter's numbers looked a little bit better, and what we've seen is that he locks in on London. London has 14 catches, 166 yards, 20 targets in two games. In the six games before Ritter took over, he had 26 targets. In six games, he's at 20 in two. He actually has more yards receiving in the two games since Ritter than he did in the six games before. So, uh, obviously, he's been a much, much bigger fantasy player with uh, with Ritter. They've, they really, they've kind of screwed up, like, a, a few little execution things here. And this is the kind of stuff that Arthur Smith was better at earlier in the year. They're down 14 going into the half. They have the ball, 43 seconds left. There's a pass that they have. It goes down to the one-yard line. They have one timeout left. They don't call a timeout at all right then. They rush up. They snap the ball on first and goal with 25 seconds left. And because they tried to rush up, the play was off, and he had to like roll out, and he ended up throwing the ball away, and he got called for intentional grounding. So now you're at the one-yard line. You get an intentional grounding call. You get all the way backed up, and instead of a, a touchdown, you have to settle for a field goal. You know, those are like little things that that's what the good coaches do well. And that's points that you make all the time about guys like Hackett who hadn't called plays. What are they going to do when they're put in that situation? One more positive for them, Algier, clearly the top player in the backfield. 18 carries, 74 yards, four catches for 43 yards. And it was the first time in months that he also played a majority of snaps on early downs and in short yard situations. He has averaged... 5.8 yards per carry since week 11. And you have been all over him um, throughout that point, letting us all know about how good he's been. So, and they're uh, building some. The, the Falcons, look, this team was supposed to be a bottom team, you know? Yep. And they kind Ritter, of they overachieved early. So our perspective on them kind of flipped a little yeah, bit. Yeah. And they had know? to play Ritter. They have to. Yep. They're going to have a pick where they have a chance to get a quarterback. You have Ritter. You have to see what you At got. least give him a look right here and know so, because you've got Pitts. You've got London. If this guy can't be the guy, you need to go get someone that can throw yeah. the ball. You got Pitts. You got London. You got Algier. You got um, – A couple defensive players, A.J. Terrell. Terrell. Right? You got, you're building in the right direction. You have to see what you have when Ritter. If you don't have someone in Ritter because it is possible – it's possible you guys could be, they could be bit like picking fifth and that opens you up, up those doors for possibly Stroud, possibly Will Levis, possibly the kid Richardson from Florida. So you have to see what you have. Cause if you don't, yep. if, if he's it, you can get a different piece a, a lineman. but if he's not it, then you're going to have to get somebody. So that, yeah, I, Smith is kind of in a tough situation. I think what he's pulling off, he's doing good. But he just doesn't have the the horse. No, he doesn't have he doesn't have the talent. And yeah. uh, just one thing to mention on the flip side, if you're playing some DFS lineups this week, it, Connor he ran last week for five first downs, two 11 yard gains, and a 22 yard touchdown. He's now averaged 20.2 touches since week nine when he came back from an injury. That's all we can. That's all we can guarantee, Eric, in fantasy is volume. Right, we can't ever guarantee production, but we can say, "Hey, we know this guy's going to get these touches," and that's what you want. You want someone getting twenty yeah. touches a week. He's eighty-five percent of the running back opportunities for Arizona. That leads all players at the position since week nine. So, uh, yeah, I mean, at, at, 
playing this game individually, it's tough. But yeah, Algier and especially with Ritter and Connor, especially with either a banged up or a, a not 100% healthy Colt McCoy, who still, you know, just getting back from concussion protocol. And then you have a, a McSorley. They're going to, both of these teams should want to lean on the run. So both of these running backs could be in line for nice games. Yep. Yep. And then, you know, you did mention the, um, um, I'm sorry, I'm pulling it up right now. You did mention um, what's his face, London. I mean, last week, London, yeah, put, London had a good game. He put up 11 points. He was only four percent owned. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, he's getting two X with that return on, on FanDuel. London is going to be the guy. So that's someone you de- can definitely look to target. Yep. Let's get to Panthers Bucks. What a huge game for these two teams playing basically for the division. Right here, if the Panthers win out, they will win the division. Tampa got a big victory for them last week. Carolina is six and nine straight up, eight and seven against the spread this year. Tampa is seven and eight straight up, three, 11 and one against the spread. Tampa is a three point favorite at home in this game. Over under is 40 and a half points. Tampa showed nothing through most of the game last week against Arizona. Then they scored a quick touchdown in two minutes following Arizona fumbling the ball, give it right back to Tampa with the chance to tie the game and push it to overtime. And then in overtime, Arizona was only able to get one first down, punted it back to Tampa, got the ball. Brady goes six for six on passes, sets up a game-winning field goal. And, I mean, great, they won, right? They're, they're, they're battling for a playoff spot, so they needed to win. Like, nothing about that game looked impressive from Tampa whatsoever. They needed overtime to beat a third string quarterback who was starting for a team that was missing a lot of their key defensive players. Um, They also lost another offensive lineman due to injury. Brady has really been struggling as of late last week. He was graded quarterback number 23 by pro football focus over his last three games. He's graded number 30 out of 49 quarterbacks to take snaps. The only three quarterbacks that are actually starting quarterbacks in the league that have been worse than Brady over the last three games, Carr, Tua, and Russell Wilson. And those three guys are not playing well right now, and there's not good vibes about any one of them. Everybody else behind Brady is a backup quarterback or someone who filled in. It's four games in a row where he's had an interception. He has seven interceptions over that stretch of four games. This is actually the first time he's won a game with Tampa where he had more interceptions than passing touchdowns. Um I mean, even look at some of their wins. They're against, they're playing the Rams. They're down seven in the fourth quarter. They score their first touchdown with nine seconds to go in the game, and they win the game by three. They're down 10 against the Saints. They score their first touchdown with three minutes to go in the game. They end up getting the ball back and winning by one point. They've only averaged 11 points per game in the first three quarters of games. That actually ranks 31st out of 32 teams in the league. The only team that's worse that has a lower scoring average through the first three quarters, Denver, who just fired their head coach and who's had a miserable starting quarterback this year. He's only thrown Brady one first quarter touchdown this year. I don't know how he he has 11 in the fourth quarter, though. It's just it's bizarre how they flip it. And then you got the Panthers who, you know, they looked like the Panthers last week again. They were just dominant on the ground. They had 570 total yards, 320 rushing yards against the Lions. And the week before, they had only 21 rushing yards against Pitt. They averaged 8.8 yards per play, 7.4 yards per rush on 43 rushing attempts. They won time of possession by more than 10 minutes. 
They, I mean, they dominated the game. Both Foreman and Hubbard ran for over 125 yards each. They have 130 rushing yards over expected in the first half. That's the most by any team since the stat was introduced back in 2018. They sort of showed you first play of the game, they ran for 30 yards. And it was just like, uh-oh. It was just yeah, a tough I mean, night. That was the spot of the spot to fade the Lions. Oh, it was. No, you're right. It was. I mean, that was the spot of the spot. And absolutely. It was the, know, big, the big spot. have been getting a lot of. Um, Little bounces their way. And everybody gets over overvalued at some point. It's happening with a couple other teams right now. That was the most perfect spot for Carolina in the world. They have now won three of their last four games. And when they're running the ball really well. It makes it easy for Sam Darnold. And you, you know, we've been critical of Sam, even as a USC fan. It's not like I'm 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 singing the Sam Darnold praise, but you know, in his four games, he has not thrown an interception yet this year. Like that, this is the type of game, or this is how you you play when you have a quarterback like Sam Darnold. You run really well, you don't ask him to do a whole lot. He can still make some throws when there's not a whole lot of pressure on him. He's kind of like Baker. They're they're very good from a clean pocket. If they can drop back and just sort of have to do like one or two reads and then make your throw, they're fine. Like the arm strength is there. They're athletic enough to move around a little bit. He just can't win you games. He had 250 yards passing, 15 of 22, but he had passes of 47, 36, and 43 yards. So you know what? Pretty good, and in his four games, they played against Pittsburgh and Denver. Those are two defenses that are are decent defenses. It's not like he was playing against miserable defenses throughout. They actually set a record for total yards and rushing yards. And it was the first time in team history they had two different players with at least 125 rushing yards. Shout out to their head coach. This team could have packed it in, right? They were 2-5, and five, and uh, since he took over, they're 5-5. Five and five. And they've won three of the last four. And actually, they beat Tampa earlier this year, 21 to three. And they ran for 170 yards in that game. So Tampa, Carolina, playing for a shot at the playoffs. One of these two teams is going to get there most likely. I guess the Saints have an outside chance, right? If I think Carolina would need to beat Tampa, and then both teams would need to lose next week, and the Saints would need to win their next two, I, I think, so, for them to get in. Let, let's do this. Let's say you are Dallas right now. If you had to rank the teams in order from teams like you would want to play to the team you want to play the least between Carolina, the Saints, and the um, Bucks right right now, as of today, how would you rank rate them? I honestly wouldn't want to play the Panthers the most. I think I think I would go Panthers, Bucks because of Brady, and then I'm not too worried about the Saints right now. I think they would be my least worry. I don't know. What about you? Mine would be see, I would want to play Carolina. Like I you, I you well, you don't play. trust Sam Darnold having to make plays. I just don't trust Darnold. I don't see, trust I, I'm kind of I trust right now the overall body of Carolina better than the other two teams because I at least feel like Carolina has an identity. They yeah. know they know what they're they know what they are, they just want to run the ball. You're absolutely right. Like if they're down, they're not gonna come back and beat you. But man, like Tampa yeah. and the, the Saints. Team- the team just, that I find interesting to me right now is the Saints, and we'll get to them in a little bit because I think they may have figured something. I think the weather kind of forced them to figure something out, but we'll get to we'll get to that a little bit later. I would, and another reason is because the home field in New yeah. Orleans that that place is ridiculously loud in that stadium. So let's continue along. We get to the Bears and the but Lions. I will say this. 
doesn't that name, number seem off to you? Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, like, I'm trying to talk myself into playing Tampa here. Oh, and it feels like a number that's too, like, the under, uh, like, the three and under feels I'm like really trying They're trying to bait you in to take Tampa almost. Like, I think the odds yeah. makers really like Carolina in this spot, you know, just based on that that number. Um, yeah. So, but, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not. There's no way yeah. I'm touching it. No way at all I'm touching it. Let's get to Bears and Lions. We've got the Bears three and twelve straight up, five nine and one against the spread. You have the Lions seven and eight straight up, ten and five against the spread. Bears come out of one of those games where it was really tough to throw the ball. The weather was bad, and they they couldn't run the ball at all, which was crazy. They only had two point eight yards per carry on twenty nine carries, so conditions wouldn't let them throw, and they couldn't run, and then they couldn't stop the run. Buffalo ran for 250 yards in that game. The Bears gained only 209 total yards. Fields only had 11 yards on seven carries. And the Bears I, actually got... I had Fields in a playoff game in Ugh. fantasy. So again. Of course. They, uh, they only had three um, points off the three turnovers they got. They actually had two drives that started in Buffalo territory. They were only able to get field goals on those. They had 12 straight drives where they couldn't get more than one first down. Not not multiple first downs and 12 consecutive drives and only 3.7 yards per play. But one positive. This week, they're playing against Detroit, who struggles against the tight end. Cole Komet might be an interesting play if you're looking for a, a, you know, a, a DFS toss-in. The Lions are 26th against uh, the tight end in DVOA. Now on the Lions side, like you said, it was it was a bad spot. Like I'm honestly not going to take a bunch away from that game from the Lions because you know there's there's little things that happen early in games that change them, right? So the Lions score on their first drive. They're on their second drive. They go all the way down to first and goal at the Carolina eight. Then they fumble the ball. So instead of taking the lead, Carolina gets the ball. They go eight plays, ninety one yards. And then they get up by seven and then Carolina is able to just run the ball the whole rest of the game because they're up. They were never put in a situation where they were forced to throw the ball at all. And, and for the lions, they fumble the ball and then they go three and out. Carolina goes touchdown, touchdown field goal. All of a sudden it's 24 to seven going into the half. And then the lions can't even run the ball anymore because they're down. They're forced to have to try to throw it. So they couldn't have a balanced offense at all. They only had 45 yards rushing, but, Shout out to Shane Zilstra, who probably made some folks a million dollars or close to it. Anyone that had him in a lineup, he had three uh, touchdowns. Interesting game here. I mean, this number is inflated. Don't get me wrong. The Lions are the Lions are better as the season went on, but we still need to remember this: they have given up what it, they have given up the most passing yards. Per game, so the back door is always, always going to be over on them. Also, they have given up the fifth most rushing yards per game, so it's really hard to trust this defense. Yes, I know they've been playing better, but they just they still have a lot of holes. Their best players are all young rookies. I just and these are the spots where you don't want to play them as a big favorite like this. It's you know what I mean. Like I, this spot may be different, but. You're still not sure about playing the Lions as a young team 
when they're yeah. laying numbers like this, right? When they're laying more than a field goal, yeah. that, so that's where it, you get concerned. It's it's really tough. I mean, maybe take the like even the over seems to be juiced a little bit high. The Bears can run the ball, sit on the ball for a little bit. But we've kind of seen what the Bears. It's kind of weird. Like when you watch them, if Fields is playing good, it's kind of like the whole team is playing good. But if he just has an off, like if he's off, if he's not there, he's playing bad, then like everything disappears on the defense. They have no chance. Like um, they have absolutely no chance. I will say this though. I was um listening to um not listening, I was reading the um the Chicago paper online and Fields and um Eberfuse made a comment how they want Fields to get the record for most all, rushing all time quarterback rushing yards. What's right. that a hunt? Does he need like a hundred and sixty-five? in the two games. Yeah. Well, maybe look at some fields over rushing props. That's all I do here. I yeah. mean, it's like, it's one of those things. And like, I've, I've been a Lions fan all my life. I mean, this is the, this, this is when they disappoint the most. You're right. When, in the last two weeks, right? Because you look at after a good stretch and now you have games that are super winnable against Carolina, against the bears, and then a game against the Packers team that you've already beat this year and that you match up well with. But now with all the expectation and now with everybody telling you that you're bet, like you're a, a good football team, can you do it? Like this is where your coaching, your maturity, all your leadership comes together. This is a huge game for them to win, to give themselves a shot at least. Yeah. Next and week. I'm going to say this. I like, I, I said this on my stream. I wanted a huge rant. Do not draft a quarterback Detroit. Please do not draft a quarterback. Don't. Yeah. Build on the defense. Build on the defense and then look to get the quarterback. Don't rush yep. it off. Goff, Goff is, is fine right now. He's fine. Yeah. You need to. You need more on the defense to help because you're not just a quarterback away. Yeah, you need to build. So that was yep. one of my big rants this week. So let's get to the Browns and the Commies. We've got Browns Commanders. Commanders a two point favorite in this one. Over under is forty and a half. Washington is seven seven and one straight up. Seven seven and one against the spread. Cleveland six and nine straight up seven and eight against the spread. Watson through his four starts this year. He is uh, not been good. And here's the thing about Watson. Um, that's interesting to me. So his passer rating last week was the worst passer rating he's posted in his career. In the four games that he's played, he's led three touchdown drives on 43 offensive possessions. There are 42 quarterbacks this year that have thrown at least 100 passes. Here's how he ranks in a lot of key metrics. Now, keep in mind, all of these metrics that I'm going to list, they're not cumulative totals. So he's not getting penalized for not playing early in the year. Everything that I'm saying grades you based on your play. So everyone that's thrown 100 passes is able to get graded on the same scale here. This doesn't have to do with how many touchdown passes you threw. He's 41 out of 42 in yards per attempt. He's 41 in completion percentage, 42 in passer rating, number 40 in touchdown percentage, number 40 in completion percentage, 41 in dropback EPA per game, 32 in pro football focus adjusted completion percentage, 37 in pro football focus passing game, grade, which accounts for drops, dropped interceptions, quarterback decision-making. So all of these metrics, they 
they give him the benefit of the doubt too. When his passes get dropped, that's stuff that's built in. And it's what's kind of scary is that it's not like he got hurt, Eric, right? He's missed time and and you can't re, um you can't replicate like the speed of the NFL game. But no. in all the time that he's missed, he didn't have a massive injury. For example, I was reading this article that said his stats are worse than when 34-year-old Alex Smith had to relearn how to walk mm-hmm. due to a compound leg fracture. Um, his stats are worse than when Michael Vick returned after spending multiple years in prison. And he was actually able to work with the Browns offense in the preseason and in training camp. He's been practicing with them for six weeks before playing for four. And now he's coming off another bad game. Obviously, it was in weather. It wasn't great. But they got shut out in the second half. And the rebuilding Steelers have passed the Browns in the standings. This is embarrassing for their management, honestly, because this is a team that two years ago, whatever your feelings are on Baker Mayfield, I'm not going to talk about what, like, if this guy would be a, a franchise quarterback. But they had Baker Mayfield and a team that was like one play away from making the conference championship. Yeah, they had a chance to go into KC and win. And, um, and since then, whatever it, it whatever it was, injuries, coaching, whatever, they've been incredibly disappointing and have not able to build at all on that. And again, just like we've become familiar with the Browns, last place in this division when they're not supposed to be there right now. I mean, Skavansky, for whatever reason, seems to be getting a pass. I haven't really been that high in him since they made the hire. Dude, he's been miserable, before. Eric. He, I don't know what um, the... What the yeah. F he was doing last week in a game where you can't throw the ball. Cleveland gets up 10-0. We know there's no weather. Deshaun Watson has been awful. And the receivers are dropping passes. And late in the game, it's third and two. Wind gusts of 20 miles per hour. And they throw the ball on back-to-back plays on third and two. Makes zero. But that's just one and of these guys who thinks he's yeah. too smart for the room. Hand it off twice. You have Nick Chubb. Um, you know, it's interesting because a you look at this Watson, he went from being in the same conversation as Mahomes and Allen back in the day. Yeah. Now he's not. He's like looked at insane. He's probably like he's down there. I'm trying to think who he's down there with. He's probably with how he's playing. If you just look at his stats, he's down toward the bottom four. People, because of his name, are going to rate him naturally higher. Yep. But if you just look at the numbers, he's a bottom four quarterback right now yep. in the league. Um, flip side, you have Carson Wentz coming in. Carson Wentz, the thing with Wentz is he's holding on to the ball too long. When you hold on to the ball too long, you can't do play-action passing. Cleveland really struggles defending against the run. If Clowney doesn't go, Clowney didn't go last, last week. He's a very underrated run stopper. If Clowney, you know what I mean? Like the blueprint of the commanders running the ball with Robinson, setting up the play action is there, but is Wentz going to be able to do that? Is Skafan, you know what I mean? And then the flip side, what is Skafanski going to do? Is he going to like run? Because they're done, they're done they're now done. too. They're, they're they don't have that. anything to play for. That's why I'm surprised this number seems a little short. Like I thought no, it would I mean, be. I over- think it's more of the Wentz stuff. I mean, when, yeah, you're right. With, Wentz is very limited. And the other thing that just blows my mind, and, like, don't get me wrong, I think we talked about this. 
talked about with someone, I'm pretty sure it was you. For as much shit as we give the Vikings, the one thing that Cousins and O'Connell do is they give their best player, Justin Jefferson, the ball. Absolutely. Absolutely. For the and life Wentz of me, does not do that with McLaren at all. Last two weeks, it's been Heineke. I know. And he is your best player. What are you doing? Why is he not leading your team in targets? Two games in a row, he's not leading your team in targets? Like, fine, he's not leading your team in receptions. That's fine. I get it. You know, the deflection, whatever. But targets, he should be leading in must-win games. He should be getting the most opportunity to get the ball in his hands. That game was close against the 49ers, and then Rivera goes for it. Um, and and what was it, the third quarter? I forget the, the time mark. And the wheels just completely fell off. Yeah, I don't know what to do here. I'm not going to lie. Like, I really uh, – maybe I'll look at some Brian Robinson player props because Cleveland does struggle against the run. Look into that. Um, it's kind of interesting. Uh, Chubb is 155 yards behind jo- Joshua Jacobs. And we've seen Jacob start to slow down a little the last few weeks. You know? And he's pissed. Like, I don't know if you yeah. heard that. We'll get to that. I will talk about that later. But maybe if you'd see, like, a 20 to 1, because he needs a hundred make up 155 in two, in two games is a lot. Is a lot. Henry, yeah. Henry's not playing this week. God only knows how much Jacobs is going to be able to get with um, uh, a backup starting. Backup quarterback. You know, if you can get Chubb at 20 to 1 to re- have the most rushing yards worth a nibble, I'd look at Brian Robinson rushing props in this game. They're not out yet, but that'd be the only way I'd go. I mean, the commanders last week, there were the San Francisco games. Like the San Francisco has a good defense, but again, you watch some of their games and there's always like a couple of these key plays that kind of go their way. So the commanders on the first drive, they had a third and six. They should have picked up, missed the, missed the pass there. Then the defense holds the 49ers without scoring on the first two 49ers drives. And the commanders get the ball. They go 17 plays, 84 yards, 10 minutes, 48 seconds, third and goal from the one-yard line, and they get stopped twice. So they get zero points out of that. And then San Francisco goes 99 yards to score a touchdown. They get up by seven and they just break your back right there. That's just demoralizing. Like one thing, like I hate all the analytics talk because the reality of the situation is no of us, the games play different now. So none of us really understand the whole analytics thing, like how this, the info is going to look five years from now. But if I'm a dog, I want points on my first drive. I want to put I know. scoreboard pressure on. Absolutely. Especially understood. against a team like the 49ers right now who's dealing with a, a, a kid Purdy who's had everything go his way. Like, put a little bit of pressure on this guy. And, I, like, and just make him be forced to throw the ball and be put in situations where you know they're going to have to throw the ball. Make it a little bit more difficult. So, I mean, the game was tied at seven at the half. And yeah. then... In the second half, two consecutive drives within four total plays. Fumble the ball, turn it over, and then throw an interception. And all of a sudden, they're down 13. It's just like, boom, like like that quickly. And then they're down 16. They put in Wentz. He leads a touchdown drive. Heineke gets benched. Um, Dotson, shout out to him. Dotson has seven touchdowns in his 10 games so far this year. He had six catches for 76 yards. Had a really nice catch. That's three games in a row with the touchdown catch. But you know what? They got lucky because... Everybody else around them lost. If they win out, they're in the playoffs. They win twice, they're I, in. Which is remarkable. Which I know. Is, and I know that goddamn tie is going to... It's going to get the them day, in. It's going to get them in. 
that that tie is gonna is is what's gonna kill me for both them and the Giants. It's gonna end up it, helping it, them, which is crazy. But going, yeah. Because look at who they play. They, you know, they play a Browns team that has nothing to play for this week. On paper, it's a fantastic spot for Washington to, uh, you know, need to win their two games to know that they are in the playoffs. As we move to the Broncos and the Chiefs, we've got the Chiefs as a 12 and a half point favorite in this game, over under 45. Denver is four and 11 straight up, six and nine against the spread. Kansas City, 12 and three straight up, four, 10 and one against the spread. Denver just fired their head coach, Hackett, after a four and 11 start. Eric, man. I will give you all the credit in the world on that one. We're we're right about a lot of things. We're wrong about a lot of things. That's going to happen. As much as we talk about every sport, every game, hell, we're going to be wrong about a lot of things. You called this one spot on. When they hired him, you said play their unders. This team is going to be way overvalued. And I I didn't even love the team as much as I looked at their schedule. They had They had the fourth easiest schedule this year of yeah. every team. And they still were this bad. Like they they yeah. had one of the most winnable schedules on paper. They finished ranked number 30 in offensive DVOA. They were dead last in scoring average, 15.5 points per game. They lost eight games this year by one score. I mean, basically everything that can go wrong with the team did. Team and let's, fighting. Let's face it. They they hired Hackett. Why? To get Aaron Rodgers. Yep, to get Rodgers. That didn't work out. They tried to get, they got Wilson, which was supposed to be this thing. If you don't call plays before, and heck, it's never called plays, it is tough. He had no idea about in-game management, time flow, anything at all. And as much as, for as good as LaFleur is doing in Green Bay, people forget his first year of calling plays as an offensive coordinator in Tennessee was an absolute train wreck. It was a train wreck but he figured it out and to have that responsibility and be in charge of the whole team was Not just easy. too much was, was yeah. just too much for him he was in way overhead he was he was in a no no win situation as is oh god like i really want to take the broncos here but i do too but it- with what i saw i don't want to be the same situation i was in last year with the with the um oh my god the Giants with the Giants when they gave up when we they know. just gave up and it looked I mean you had offensive linemen pushing like, the backup quarterback on the sidelines yeah because Russell Wilson got knocked down and they said something to him like he said something to him he was sticking up and then he got in his face like it's just like every if if this was week eight I would have been hammering it because it opened up at 13 and a half when news that Hackett got fired started to break, you know, that's when the line dipped down a little bit. You look at it, teams after losing by over 35 points, 64%, you know, when they're road dogs, 67%. When they're road dogs and they're getting 10 or more points, they're 9-1-1. and So historically speaking, teams do cover here. And, and this is a situation where, like I'm not even going to use anything from the game last week because that team just gave up. That Broncos team gave they allowed 51 points against the Rams. The Rams hadn't hit 31 points all year. The Rams hit their season high in the first half. I mean that was that was a team that just gave up. They were frustrated with their head coach, their starting quarterback. Um, I mean everything that could go wrong for the, the, this team this year. I mean they players turning against each other, bad clock management, couldn't move the ball. Um, 
and now it's going to be Jerry Rossberg, who's their interim head coach. He was well, hired. Think of, it like this. think of it like this. They offered it to the DC. Okay. And the DC said, no, I know he doesn't want they it. Offered, they no. offered the job to the DC and the DC said, no, I mean, it is just, it's just mind-boggling me to me. You look at Mahomes. Mahomes is a 10-point favorite. You know, he doesn't cover the number that much when it's over 10. These big numbers, he doesn't struggle. But the one thing is, is like, this is the time where teams are trying to get ready for the playoffs. You know what I mean? They're trying to peak, trying to get in. On the flip side, Kansas City really doesn't want to get anyone hurt. So they get up big. No. Do, they, do they sit people? Um, I know they did cover that big number against Seattle, but Seattle did have a chance to sneak into that back door. Right now, and, and the Chiefs weren't like, I mean, they got up by 17 in that game and they just went through the motions. They only had 297 total yards and 14 total first down. I mean, the game wasn't in doubt. They were They were cruising um, and it didn't really end up hurting them. They're just, they're not really good at defending the run also, which is a little scary, you know, against like big, big numbers like this. And you'd imagine Denver is going to just try to run the ball with the yeah. new coach and not get in, you know, a little too fancy. But the, the stat that I thought was kind of crazy Mahomes has never played a playoff game on the road in his career. He uh, he has nine home games and two Super Bowl games, which are neutral sites. So he this could be the first time in his career where he actually has to go on the road. Well, I mean, realistically, unless something funky happens, they probably are going to have to go on the road. Yeah, Um, because the Bills, it just comes down to this weekend, really, right? Because if the Bills lose... If the Bills lose, then they're actually in, in pretty good shape. They they win their next two games and and they're in. They don't have the tiebreaker though over either of those teams, so they need. Yeah, they're to basically be, in my eyes, they're locked into the three. They're I think gonna, so too. Yeah, they're going to be going on the road. Um, this isn't a dead number right now. Let's face it. If this gets up to fourteen, then I'll be invested in the Broncos. But right now, I just say pass. Um, also, if you're Sean Payton. Why in the hell are you going to go to Denver with just the simple, oh, simple being? No shot. I would not want to go there at you, all. You got to think of it like this. The top five quarterbacks, you can, you can argue who they are, but everyone will agree right now. The top five in the top five are Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. Correct. Absolutely. Why, why would you go to a team where you're going to have to play those guys? And they're not they're going, going anywhere. Where are they going? I know for four games, it makes, if I'm Sean Payton, it makes zero sense for me to go to Denver. So I just wish people would just stop, I stop know. that. He ain't, he ain't going to Denver. Um, 14 or higher. It's a buy, but this is a dead number. I'll pass. Colts giants. The giants are a six point favorite in this game. Over under is 38 giants. No, they lost, but they're also one of those teams. All of the teams in the NFC giants, commanders, Seahawks, lions, all lost last week. And they were all those teams like battling at the end for a playoff spot. So it didn't hurt the Giants at all. They're still in great shape. The Giants just need a win and they're in. Um, they play the Colts this week and then the Eagles next week. And the Eagles could be sitting there players and resting guys next week if the Eagles win this week. And yeah, win. I mean, like, even if, like, they could. They could lose, lose both games and, like, and still get Washington, Detroit. And Green Bay, I'll lose. If Washington and Seattle lose, they're in. If Seattle, yeah. Detroit, and Green Bay lose, they're they're in. They're in if great they, shape. They're, they're in great shape right now. New, York. New York's absolutely in great shape because of that game they won in Washington. Yep, they're, that was the, that was the one that 
that put yeah, them in this spot. And they're yeah, 8-6-1, 11-4 they're against the spread. Um, um, Colts, man. Jeff Saturday. Colts four- like, I would – no. Colts, Colts are done. They've officially yeah. quit. You can tell they didn't quit. Everyone – no, don't get me wrong. Like, I gave Saturday props because he ran the ball against the Raiders. But I think we're starting to see that winning against the Raiders was more issues going on in Los With the Angeles. Raiders. Right. Than it was with the Colts. I mean, granted, yep. he did run the ball with Taylor. Good. You finally figured it out. Hey, I'm running the ball with Taylor. But now, like, Ursay's pumping his chest, saying, How dare you doubt me? Saturday's lost the locker room from everything I've heard. Everything I've heard from someone inside that building tells me this team has quit. They're just going through the motions. And the and the the thing that put it over was the Nick Foles thing. I mean, Basically. that's a third. He he was a third stringer. He he was so bad in that game. He like looked Look, like he, he is. He's just there. Like he I know, does nothing. I know. Um, and a lot of people had quit, but they're still going through stuff. But um, the whole Foles thing kind of pushed it over the edge. Interesting position with the Colts. Um. You know where they're gonna they they obviously want to keep losing because they're gonna get a better draft pick. Um need to figure out the quarterback position. <sighs> this wouldn't surprise me if the Giants just crush completely, them. Yeah. Completely and, destroyed them. And the Giants look good last week. you know, the Vikings defense isn't great, but the Giants moved the ball for 445 total yards. They had more yards per play, tied in first downs. The key to the game, they had two turnovers. And they went three of 11 on third down. They had seven penalties compared to just two for Minnesota. And they allowed the Vikings to score 17 points in the fourth quarter to win the game. There were a couple of drop passes that hurt them. They also had two interceptions that got overturned. One because of a penalty, one because of review. But Daniel Jones looked good. He completed 30 of 42 passes, 334 yards, one touchdown. He was ranked quarterback number five based on pro football focus grade for the week. Two big-time throws, two turnover-worthy plays. He also had 34 yards rushing. And during the fourth quarter, they had an interception go right through the hands of one of their defenders. Then they threw an interception. Then one of their receivers had a bad drop, and then they got a punt blocked. All, like, back-to-back, like, little things. Like, all four of those things went against them. If one of those plays goes their way, they probably win that game instead of losing that game. And I would love if these two teams played again in the playoffs because these have been those two teams that have been really lucky all year long, Eric. Wouldn't it just make sense for them to be like a 2-7 matchup in the playoffs and oh, get another game would, out of them? I would absolutely love it. Um, but, yeah, I just – It's, this is it's a bad spot. Like, I just yeah. absolutely it, have no clue. What, what you're going to get from the Colts in, yeah. in here. Barkley, shout out, though. He had a, a, a little bit of a bad stretch. Now he's been a top seven fantasy running back in three of the last four games. So he seems to be have a a little bit over that slump. Maybe he's got a little bit life left in those legs at the end of this year. As uh, we move to the Jags and the Texans, Jacksonville, a four and a half point favorite on the road in here, Houston um, playing some good football as of late over under in this game is 43 and a half. Houston is two 12 and one. Straight up seven and seven, seven and one against the spread, though. Jacksonville, seven and eight straight up, seven, seven and one against the spread. As we mentioned, this game is meaningless for Jacksonville, regardless of if well, they, I mean, it's not meaningless. There, they they there have a little a, a chance they can. 
there's an eight percent chance, and there's nine things that need to happen for them to get in the wild card. They could win um, this game, lose next week, and still be a wild card team. But m- basically, we're in a situation where next week is the game that matters for them much more than this. I mean, just to put it in perspective, they can only get the seventh wild card. Miami, New England, Jets, Ravens, and the Steelers have to lose both games, right? All own tiebreakers over them. So yeah, Yeah. all of them need to, there multiple things need to happen. I mean, so it's just, and I'm looking at the Texans, Eric, who are second in defensive DVOA over the last four weeks. Their defense is ranked number two, and they've actually played the Cowboys and the Chiefs during that stretch. So their defense has played well against good offenses. The offense is still bad. They're ranked 31. They got a win. They've snapped a nine-game losing streak for them. I kind of like the Texans, though, in this spot at more than a field goal. Like, the Jags are really over. Like, the Jags are valued as high as they've been all year right now. Yep, I took the J. I sorry, I took the Texans plus the four and a half. Yep. And you know, with it basically one of the factors was there's so many things, it's an eight percent chance that need to happen for the Jags to get the wild card spot. Why would you risk somebody getting hurt? Etienne's already banged up. You have issues on the offensive line with injury. Defensively, your defensive lineman whose name starts with F who I can't pronounce, he's banged up. <laughs> Why would you risk that going to happen? I could see Peterson sitting some guys out. Um, I went back a little bit further. Since week 10, Houston is six DVOA defensively. Yeah. So they've been it's a good sample defense. size here. They've been playing defense now for seven weeks. No, excuse me, six weeks at a pretty good level. You have to Against remember some good offenses. Yep. And they have these fringe guys that aren't playing are playing for the next contract. You look at Davis Mills. Davis Mills thinks he can be a start in this league. He kind of feels like the they're playing for Lovey a little bit too. You wonder yeah. if he's gonna, you know, be back for that. He's gone. He's they're moving on from him. He's gone. Um, but he does motivate people. I, I like the Texans here. I think, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they win. I I played the four and a half just because I think Peterson treats this game like an exhibition. Texas defense has been playing better and you have all these fringe guys, Burkhead. Um, um, Mills that are playing for their next team because I think they should be starters in the league. I'll take I I bet the Texans plus the four and a half. And then teams, sorry, teams on a three game winning streak ATS like the Texans are that are home dogs getting four points or more, fifty four percent ATS with a positive ROI. So yeah, I bet the Texans here plus the four and a half. Shout out to uh, your guy Evan Ingram. Last three games. 26 catches, 337 yards, and three touchdowns. They've won three in a row, the Jaguars. They've won four of their last five. And their wins came over the Ravens, the Titans, the Cowboys, and the Jets, all teams who are playoff teams or in the playoff hunt. They were 3-7 and seven after the Week 11 bye. Only one team in history that started with that record has made the playoffs. Keep in mind the playoffs are now expanded. Lawrence is graded quarterback number three. Since week 13. So his last four games, they ran in, in last week. He ran the ball. Well, he had seven carries for 51 yards, 7.3 yards per carries over the last seven games. He has 191 yards rushing just another little kind of variable, a little intangible that helps Lawrence to be able to pick up a, you know, a big first down or make a big play with his legs. If he needs to, we're on the Texans side here as the home and dog real quick. I, on everything 
I did. I, I told everyone Ingram could be this year's Dalton Schultz, someone that comes out of nowhere that's going to win you the league because he's a tight end. I said he's going to be a top five tight end in fantasy football. Where is he right now, my friend? Tight end number five. And he could move up a little bit. Yeah, he could probably get to tight end three by the end of the season. Another so. great call uh, on your part. You heard that before the season right here on That's What G Said podcast. Let's get the Dolphins and Patriots. The Patriots are a three-point favorite here at home. Over-under in this game is 41.5. Miami 8-7 and seven straight up, 7-8 and eight against the spread. New England 7-8 and eight straight up, 7-7-1 seven, seven and one against the spread. What a bizarre game last week for the Patriots. That was one of the weirdest football games I can remember, honestly. I mean, that is why I hate kickers, too. I know. On, I, both, on both sides, like whoever you played, which was funny. So at the end of the half, Patriots are down 22 nothing. They have 70 total yards. I mean, they were honestly lucky to only be down by 22 points at the end of the first half. Um, they looked like they'd kind of given up on their season. Then in the second half, they make a, a few plays. They get a couple lucky bounces. They score a touchdown with six minutes left to go in the game. And, and they're about to cut it to a three-point game, and they miss the extra point, which was their second missed extra point of the night. And then they also had to – they missed a two-point conversion. Um, so even after they missed the extra point, the Bengals get the ball. Bengals are up by four. Cincinnati fumbles the ball, gives it right back to the Patriots, and the Patriots take the ball and go all the way down to the five-yard line. It is first and goal with 55 seconds left to go in the game. And they fumble. They fumble the ball. Stevenson, my boy. It was the second week in a row where he made just a strange, strange play. And, I mean, Mac Jones was, was bad in the first half. In the second half, he passed for 205 yards, two touchdowns. You know what? This dude is, you're starting to see, he's a prick, man. Like, he got popped for an unnecessary roughness call. Um, and there's like three or four cheap plays that we've seen for him. He stepped on a guy's ankle. Uh, 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 Brian Burns last year twisted his ankle. Then he hit the safety from the Bears in the nuts with a cleat like he stepped on him. He tried to trip the guy with another play. And then he did this, which is funny. And then last, last week, he stood right there when the guy ran him over, it's like, where are you trying to take out his legs there? Give me a cheap shot when the guy's running right at you. And all you need to do is make a tackle. They're only 24 and 25 since Tom Brady left. But then on the flip side, we've got a Dolphins team that you and I were telling everyone for weeks, this team is not that good. This team is not that good. Tua is not that good. And unfortunately, I don't like talking about it in a, in a like positive way because he looks like he's going to have, he's in concussion protocol again right now and that's for the third time this year and i we a couple of things can be said Tua had been playing bad before this game for a, a three or four weeks in a row now but in this game he did play well in the first half and then seemed to play a lot worse after getting hit or after that hard hit to the head so that probably impacted him as well i'm not going to give him a free pass because he's been terrible I mean, over his last four games, he's graded quarterback 43. There's only 32 quarterbacks. He's graded 43 over the last four weeks. He has four big-time throws, seven turnover-worthy plays. They've lost all four of those games. He's completed 52% of his passes. That is the lowest rate in the league 
over the last four games. The thing about him, he doesn't throw the ball down the field. It's supposed to be the completions. He's supposed to be accurate. That's what you're supposed to get from him. Six touchdowns, five interceptions over the last four games. He's bottom five in DYAR. So they're up by 10 in the second quarter. They've got the ball, second and two at midfield. They fumble. So following that, this was their their drives after they were up by 10 points. They fumbled, gave Green Bay three points off of that fumble. Then they got the ball, and it was the end of the half. Starting the second half, they missed a field goal. Interception gave Green Bay three points. Interception gave Green Bay three points. Interception gave Green Bay the ball to end the game. They only had four second-half possessions, and they were missed field goal, interception, interception, interception. <laughs> and like, their defense isn't as good as it used to be. Chubb. No. Chubb got a little banged up. Hasn't been doing as good as he's been in Denver, getting the quarterback. Howard can still get exposed. Uh, Green Bay was without Watson. Um, both the running backs were banged up. They were without a uh, starting uh, Bartonetti. I'm spacing on his name. He didn't play. So it wasn't like that was Green Bay's best effort. Um, flip side, you have the Patriots. Oh, my God. Like, this team is just limping. Obviously, they, you know, Jones has been a nightmare. He hasn't made the steps that we need to see from the first year to the second year, which is worrisome. I, You know, we talked about it. He's not going to get the coaching from Jones and Judd, from Jones, excuse me, from Judge and Patricia to get the development. It's just, it's just a bad situation there. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to say this. Um, I know McDaniel has kind of been the, it, the, it, the, it coach, so to speak. Everyone talks about how cool and everything he is. The fact that Tua is still out there playing when he was concussed. And man, we like yeah. we've been on this for a while and this bothered me because I'm someone who's had concussions personally. I had like two of them in, you know, like a, a, a like a six to eight month stretch and they're really scary. And we could see this and we were saying this when they put him back into play the first time. And now you're in a situation where, I mean, this, this guy shouldn't play the rest of the year. And I mean, like, like, what, what are I, they going to do? I don't do? know if you, if I sent you the thing with Clark, Ryan Clark used to play with the Steelers and Tomlin. He got he had a pretty big uh pretty big hit hit when he played DB, got completely knocked out in a game against Denver. The next week he was doing all this stuff with his doctors and everything, trying to get him to play. And um, you know, he had 30 minutes. He he lined up him and his doctors and his agent, a 30-minute meeting with Tomlin to try to get him to play. Doctors were five minutes into the speech and with the presentation to get Tomlin to play, to get for Tomlin to let Clark to play. Tomlin looks him dead in the face and says, if you were my kid, we would not be having this conversation at all. Yeah. And Clark just completely dropped it. And right there, right there, that shows you why those guys play so hard for Tomlin. Yeah. And will run through a wall from him. And with McDaniel, and I understand doctors and everything, but if he's as smart as everyone says he is, he knows what's going on with Tua. Tua should not be out there. I'm not the biggest Tua guy, but I don't want anyone to get hurt. I've been concussed before too. It's not the best thing. Um, I'm. I hope Tua doesn't play, just because for his own safety. Yeah. In terms of this, I kind of want to lean to Miami. You know, Teddy twenty six and nine as a dog. He's a cover machine. Twenty and four as a home as a road dog. I just I just want to stay back though, just because there's like 
They're, you know I know. I mean? they're, they're, both of these teams are trending bad right now. Yeah, they're just, not in positive directions. Like it's the number. And I don't feel like really advantageous about this number really either way either. So yeah. This well, this was Miami, Miami was laying too. Oh yeah. And now everything flipped. So the value is definitely there on Miami. But, but you really feel like there's a four point, four and a four, four and a half point difference. Five. Because this was two and a half, excuse me. Between Miami and between Tua and Teddy, especially with as bad as Tua had been playing, right? You know, so Miami is the spot here, but yeah, I, I don't know. I agree with you. I'm not doing anything. Yeah, I'm staying away as we move along to Saints and the Eagles. We have the Eagles as a five and a half point favorite here, over under forty four. Eagles are thirteen and two straight up, eight and seven against the spread. The Saints six and nine straight up, six and nine against the spread. And the Eagles played very well last week, even without Hurts at Dallas. They had as many first downs. They had more total plays, more total yards. They had more yards per play. They were 8 of 14 on third down, right? The thing that Hurts does, Hurts in my eyes does two things that Minshew does. Hurts has more zip on his throws. His throws don't flow as much as Minshew does. And he doesn't turn the ball over. He's a lot more careful with the ball. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's um, and that's what it came down to. You know, Minshew, they had Minshew played pretty well, right? He was graded quarterback nine on the week. He had one turnover worthy play. Uh, he was pretty good filling in. He led them to four hundred and forty yards of total offense, three hundred and fifty five yards passing. Smith and Brown both went over a hundred yards, and Goddard got involved. But like you said, it was one or two mistakes, and he doesn't give them the option of the run as much as someone like Hertz does. So. You know, yeah, with him, not the RPO stuff. There's not you can tee off a little bit more defensively. The yeah. offense is a little bit more limited. Yep. With what Minshew brings. Um. So look, I I like this in a Saints plus six and a half. I got a text message this morning from somebody saying that he would be shocked if Hurts played. So I locked it in at six and a half. Since that, it's moved a point, a point and a half. So with this movement, it kind of suggests to me that Hertz is not going to be playing with the line dropping. Um, Lane Johnson is out. You have another defensive person on the line is out for the Eagle, for the Eagles. You have Gardner who's out. You have another guy in the secondary out. Eagles are a little bit more banged up than people realize defensively. And then you have the Saints. And did the cold weather in Cleveland – did that kind of make the Saints figure out, hey, we Kamara needs to be running the ball 20 times a game to give our offense the best shot? You know what I mean? Like, did they figure that out? Because if they figure that out and they go into Philadelphia and they give him 20 touches on the ground, I think they cover the game. I think they could actually win the game with how much the Eagles have struggled to stop the run and how the Eagles' defense looked. Because if they're able to run the ball with, um, with Kamara – put a little QB QB RPO stuff with Hill, then Dalton play action after that. They're going to be able to move the ball in this Eagles defense. I like the Saints here. I would even sprinkle a little bit on the money line. I locked in them at six and a half. Saints come out of an ugly game last week where nobody had more than 15 first downs or 250 total yards in that bad weather game. But they executed well on third down. They were 7 of 15, and they only had two penalties in that game and one turnover. So good on third down, two penalties, one turnover, and that proved to be the difference in a game where you have to just play a clean game in bad weather. They had more yards per play, 4.5 to 3.7 for the Browns. They leaned on the run. They outgained the Browns on the ground, 
39 carries for 152 yards and 3.9 yards per carry. Kamara had 110 of the 244 total yards. And between him and Hill, they were 40 rushing yards over expectation. It was actually the third time in their franchise when they won a game and they finished with less than 100 passing yards and no passing touchdowns because the defense is starting to play well. They allowed only 58 points over their last four games combined. And this is the first time all year that they've won back-to-back games. I think it's it's kind of a tricky spot because it feels like a down spot for the Eagles because they had that big game against the Cowboys last week. But we do know that the Eagles still are playing to try to you know, clinch the number one spot, secure the division, and then give themselves an opportunity where they can sit everyone next week. I'm not laying the number with the Eagles. I don't know if I can get on there with the Saints, so I'm kind of staying away. But Eric likes the Saints if you can get around the six and six and a half, and uh, possibly even a little monkey money line uh, sprinkle. Let's get to the Seahawks and the Jets. Jets are a one and a half point favorite on the road in this game. Over under is 42, uh, 42 and a half. These teams are both seven and eight straight up. The Jets are eight and seven against the spread. The Seahawks are six and nine against the spread. Is it going to be our guy, Mike White, this week? He is cleared, right? Yeah, he is clear. So Mike White, Lotus cleared this week. And man, it's got to be it for uh, Zach Wilson with the Jets, right? I mean, the fans are just booing him. Yeah, he's the the He's done. He's like, done. He, he can't never take another snap for them again. Someone will take another shot on him, a different team to start all over and, and take a swing. But yeah, this, this guy, you know what I mean? But yeah, the reality of the situation is he's in the Baker Mayfield stuff now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it's, it's even the, the problem for, for Zach is it's even worse for him because now he, he hasn't really proven anything. He didn't even have like a good stretch of playing football. Like we at least got from Baker a couple of different years, like maybe two of his four years where he had good stretches. Wilson has given us nothing. Every other quarterback that comes in gives us more from Flacco to Strebler to, um, you know, obviously Mike White and the rest of the guy. I don't know if I've ever seen a team where I can visibly tell that the team doesn't like him, the players on the team. They don't play for him. Like the defense just gave up last week against the Jags. They they didn't want to play for him. The whole stadium is booing Zach or Wilson anytime he touches the ball. I mean, they only had 11 first downs in that game and 227 total yards. Zach Wilson comes in the game. He goes 9 of 18 for 92 yards. They bench him. Streveler comes in. Streveler hits 90 yards passing, and he runs for 54 yards, and the fans are cheering Streveler every time he touches the ball. He started yeah, five and I two, mean, and they've gone two and six since they've lost four games in a row. But on the same, you've got Seattle, who I mean, they that's three straight losses. They've lost four of their last five. They, I mean, they struggled early and they got behind their first five drives. They only had 22 total yards positive for them. They got Walker going on the ground again last week. He had over 100 yards rushing. They were only two of 14 on third down. Do they get Lockett back? And Ryan Neal, those are a couple of key injuries that could help them a little bit. As these two teams are both begging for a playoff spot here, doing everything they can to get in. What do you think about this one? I really want to take Seattle here. Like, I really, really, really want to take Seattle. You know, you just kind of look at Carroll as a dog. He's 46 and 31, home dog, you know, 60% ATS. 
Um, 64% ATS is a home dog getting three or more. I get it. The offense is better with Mike White. I get that. And I understand that. But who is Mike White in a must win game in week 17 of the NFL to be favored at Seattle? You know what I mean? Like, what has he really done in his 10 year playing quarterback to be a road favorite? I really want to take Seattle here, but the playbook's kind of out offenses. Sorry, defense has been limiting. Geno Smith is Walker healthy because you can't take advantage of the Jets defense on the ground. Oh, God, I don't know what to do here, man. I really, yeah. I really want to take Seattle. I don't trust the Jets. I think Seattle's got the better. I think they got the coaching advantage. Um, New York definitely has the overall defensive advantage. I think Seattle is a little bit better against the run compared to what New York has offensively. It's a complete toss up. Like it is a complete toss up. If Brees Hall was there for the Jets, I would be in the Jets here because he's the one guy in my eyes for the Jets that move, can move the ball. But this is Seattle or pass for me right now. 49ers and the Raiders. 49ers are a 10-point favorite on the road here. Over-under is 41.5. San Fran, 11-4 straight up, 10-5 against the spread. The Raiders, 6-9 straight up, 7-8 against the spread. And the Raiders have benched quarterback Derek Carr. Um, Zero set. I I need to bet on this, okay? This is Josh McDaniel putting all the blame on Carr for Carr not understanding what's going on, which in reality... He is limiting what Carr can do. Carr last year, there was a lot of pre-snap reads. He was given the freedom to kind of change around to try to like look both sides of the field. Now in McDaniel's system, he is just handcuffing him. And you can't do that with Carr. You're completely handcuffing what he can do. This team, it their downfall for me is on Josh McDaniel. It's not on Derek Carr. And now you're going to start j- stiff him because you want to see what he brings to the table. Dude's like 27 years old. You know what I, I mean? Know. Like it, it's not you know some young kid that you drafted field. that you need to get a look at. Like you know what this guy is. He's not mm-hmm. a starting quarterback. And let, like let's be honest, Carr has been bad over the last four weeks. Right? He's graded quarterback number 33, four tur- big time throws, five turnover worthy plays, six interceptions over his last three games. He's completed only 53 percent of his passes. But he, he's not the sole reason why they've struggled. This defense is miserable. They've well, had. I'm going to say this. I don't think McDaniel, with someone like Carr, you need to give him freedom. You can't say, hey, only look at this side of the field. Yeah. I don't like he can't do that. Like you need to give him the freedom to process and to move some stuff around. So the reason why they're not playing him, his salary of 33 million next year, 7.5 million in 2024 becomes guaranteed if he gets hurt. That's why they're not playing him. Because if oh, he yeah. gets hurt, it's it's money, and they're going to be cost money. That oh, way, he's done. He's, he can cut him. So, and that's yeah. the thing is that you and I can do a full like we could have a fun podcast on. Like, I'm not the biggest Derek Carr fan, but there's a lot of teams that he would be an upgrade and help. You think a team like the Titans right now, or like the oh, Commanders, yeah. Washington? You put, you put him with his arm strength on the Dolphins, Titans, Commanders, Dolphins. Think about those teams. Well, I mean, Carolina like, would be an upgrade. How about the Saints right now? Yeah. Any of those teams would all yes. would all like him as their quarterback right now. I know the Ravens would. I mean, obviously Lamar, but with what they're dealing with right now, with their backup, like Patriots. Um, yeah, Patriots. absolutely. There's, so the Raiders this year, they have nine losses, eight of them by one score. 
Think look, back, look, back, you look at it last year, it was the opposite. Opposite. We talk about it all the time. It evens out, right? It always goes back to the It cycles. And their last two losses, they allowed Baker Mayfield to go and drive for a game-winning touchdown when he had been with the Rams for two days. <laughs> and then they needed a crazy play in order to beat the Patriots, that lateral. Like, if they don't get that lateral, that game's going to overtime. They'd probably lose that game because the Patriots could come back and have, like, all the momentum in that game. And they've blown leads of 20 points to Arizona, 17 to the Chiefs, 17 to the Jags earlier this year. This was the fifth time this year where they've had at least a touchdown lead at halftime and lost a game. And Adams... He only had two catches for 15 yards. In his last three games, he's had two catches, four catches, three catches. He hasn't had more than 70 yards in any of those games. No touchdowns. He was targeted nine times and only caught two. It was the third straight game where he caught less than 50% of his targets. Zero receptions on seven targets with less than three yards of separation. And, and now Jacobs, the last two weeks, he's been ranked running back 20 and running back 37. So could you imagine if that was the guy that got you to the fantasy playoffs because he had such an incredible year and then the playoffs start and he's not even an RB1 either week. I mean, he's he's Just, saying he's one way to get out of there. I mean, yeah. he's and I don't blame him. I mean, they didn't pay him his money and he wasn't asking for like he was just asking for his option. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't asking for uh for the bank, he's gone. I think this team has quit. I don't care that Stitham's going to be back there. Um, and that's I, I know. And I, I want like I keep wanting to play, and I'm going to try Eric to play against the 49ers at some point. But like again, I don't know if this is the spot because spot. because like, like they're not their defense is very good. They are a very talented team and they're a well coached football team, but they're not quite as good as their recent run would suggest, right? This last week, it was 7-7 at the half. And Washington should have been up in that game. As I mentioned, Washington went on a 10-minute, 48-second drive that went 17 plays, and they couldn't score twice from the one. So the 49ers should have been down at halftime. And then even in in the second half, they scored a touchdown to start the third quarter. Washington got the ball back twice when it was still a one-possession game, couldn't score, and then San Francisco got the ball back went on a touchdown, they got up by 14, and the game was over. Washington had seven more first downs in the game. They ran 18 more total plays. They were 7 of 13 on third down compared to San Francisco, who was just 4 of 11. Washington won the time of possession in that game by seven-plus minutes. But, you know, a couple balls bounced the other way, and now Purdy is just the second quarterback since 1950 to win their first three games and throw multiple touchdown passes in each of them. The other was Kurt Warner in 1999 when he won the MVP. He won the Super Bowl and the Super Bowl MVP. He's the third player to have, or he has the third highest passer rating through three career starts in the Super Bowl era behind only Warner and Mahomes. Just nuts. Now, they've got an eight-game winning streak. Six of them have have been by 13 points. Really impressive on paper. But let's dive into it a little bit, right? They beat the Rams, who were badly banged up and were one of the worst teams in football this year. They beat the Chargers when Chargers had no Keenan Allen, no Mike Williams, and a bunch of their defensive players were missing, and the offensive line was all banged up. They beat Arizona in that Mexico game, a banged-up Arizona team. 
They beat the Saints in that weird 13 to nothing game. And remember when the Saints drove twice down to the red zone and had goal to go and got stopped, like, I think seven or eight different plays? If the Saints score one of those times, they cover the game. Then they played Miami. And look at how Miami's been playing right now. Miami's lost four in a row. It's not like they beat a really good Miami team. They beat Tampa on a short week after Tampa had just had a big win on like, I think was it Monday night football. They came back on the short week and it was like a great spot for the 49ers. They played Seattle who has lost five of their last six. The only win that Seattle has in their last six games is a one point win against the Rams who are bad. And then they beat Washington. (laughs) And like we said in that game, Washington should have been up. The game was tied at halftime and Washington ended up making a quarterback change in that game. That is not a string of impressive wins. No, this is just whoever gets that wild card, more than likely the Giants, you just wait and you take them there. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll probably rest some guys on the defensive end. Next we know week, Purdy likes Kittle, right? We know that he likes yeah, Kittle. He likes um, Kittle. Um, I just, look, if this, like we said, if they made a quarterback change and this was week 10, I'd probably talk myself into being in San Francisco. On the Raiders, but, you mean? On the Raiders, excuse yeah. me. But with hearing Jacob's comments, Adam leaving the building, not Adam involved. being frustrated. I think this is just a stay away for me. Here's the thing, too. And I like Carr. Not only is he obviously like the better quarterback there, but whether or not you think Carr is a great football player, he is like a, a apparently a really good person. Right, like he's one of those guys that's like a great dude, and they love him in the locker room, and he like sticks up for everyone and defends his guys. And this is one of those things that I'm sure the players don't love. Like yeah. that team can't be happy with a guy like Carr. And getting he's benched. the reason why Adams wanted to go there. I know like, they're college friends. This this does not seem like good energy right yeah. now at all for them. As we move along to our next game. We got the Battle of LA here. The Rams and the Chargers, two teams that moved to SoFi a few years back. The Chargers are a six and a half point favorite over under 41. The Rams are uh, five and 10 straight up, six, eight, and one against the spread. Chargers are nine and six straight up, nine, five, and one against the spread. And the Chargers have clinched. Now, shout out to them. They made the playoffs. They, uh, They are in now. They outgained the Colts 314 yards to just 173. They went 8 of 18 on third down. Colts were 0 of 10 on third down in that game. They forced three turnovers. They've now won four of their last five. They beat two teams in playoff position in the two weeks prior to the Colts game. And, I mean, you you just look at last week. Allen, 11 receptions, 104 yards. Mike Williams, four receptions, 76 yards, makes a couple big plays. Those two guys are there. They're capable of beating anyone. And, you know, the defense has been playing better. They're pressuring quarterbacks at a high rate. Last three games, they've recorded 13 sacks. They had seven last week against the Colts. They had six players finish with two-plus quarterback pressures and one or more sacks. So defense is improving. Offense is getting healthier. They're kind of a sneaky, kind of scary team in the playoffs because now they're going to be in a position in the playoffs where there's no pressure on them. Like, when they always lose these games, it's – They lose these tight games or they make a couple boneheaded plays late in the game and they squander it. Now they'll get to play in the playoffs. They'll be on the road in kind of a fun situation where Herbert can just sort of let loose. And you know what? Baker Mayfield looked miserable against Green Bay. 
absolutely miserable. This was his best game of the year by far. This was the best game that he's had maybe in a couple years. It was his best graded passing game. He's had two, his two best passing games this year have been in the three games he's played for the Rams. So his, he seems to just be getting along with the system because it's not like the Rams have a good offensive line. It's not like the Rams have good skill position players. Now, both of these two teams are coming out of situations where we talked about, like, they probably just played teams that quit, right? They both just played teams that quit, the Colts and the Broncos, who have a coach that just got fired and another coach who already had got fired throughout the year, and Jeff Saturday won't be coaching them next year. But, you know, Baker, four incomplete passes in that game. He was graded quarterback number six on the week. Baker's been in, like, the 20s for the last year. He has not seen very many weeks where he was a top 10 graded quarterback. So that was pretty cool for him. He was successful on 68% of his dropbacks. He was 12 for 14 in the second quarter. And he was six of seven in the red zone. So, uh, I mean, they hit eight different receivers. He leaned on Higby. He had 11 targets, nine receptions. He scored 51 points in the game and won by 38 in a game where they didn't have Stafford, Cup, Robinson, and Aaron Donald. They hit their season high of points in the first half. And they did it on a short week after looking miserable against Green Bay. They didn't have to punt one time in the game. I think I'm going to get me a specially made jersey, Eric, that says Baker and Acres. Right? Like, give me, or maybe I can do something goofy with like a B over the in front of the A. And I can do like, you know, they can have like temporary letters on the back or I can cover the A. Like, I, I want something with the Baker and the Acre combination there. And you know what? Acres played really well 23 carries, 118 yards, 5.1 yards per carry. He had three rushing touchdowns. He also had two receptions for 29 yards. He had runs of 10, 16, 21. He only got stuffed one time. He ran for eight first downs. Both of his catches were first downs. So this is one of these teams that it's funny because I'm saying this about the returning Super Bowl team. They kind of remind me of the Texans last year. It's just you feel way better about the Rams right now than you did a month ago because maybe Baker can be a guy who could be a future quarterback for them. Maybe Akers can be around for them after he didn't want to be there anymore. And their offensive line played the best game they've played all year. They only allowed two pressures and Baker had 26 passes from a clean pocket. Well, that's what I, we know that about Baker, right? Give him a clean pocket. He'll be pretty good. And when he yeah. succeeded in Cleveland, it was because that offensive line was fantastic. They gave him time. He's like, he's kind of like golf too, right? Like clean pocket, let him drop back. He like, he'll make the throws for you. He just, I don't think you want him to process all the information, have to go through all of his reads, try to carry a team. This is Yeah, a- I mean, if you need Baker, Goff, like those type of guys to throw the ball 25 to 32 times for you to win, you're going to lose. But if you have a good offensive line, defense plays decent, and you could run the ball, then you have a chance with them. There's um, a reason those guys are high picks. They have talent, yeah. right? They're not but I mean, like plus, but they're not. Can what, they be like, your bigger guy? With Goff, though, is it's just – the same thing he what McVeigh is doing with Mayfield, he did with God. Exactly. Basically read the field for him, told him what to do beforehand. Like we're seeing with Shanahan do with Purdy. It's very similar. Yep. yep. Um, in terms of this game, you know, I really want to take the Rams. I really do. Um, if this gets to seven, I'll be invested on the Rams. Uh Herbert 
struggles to cover. Chargers they don't really team, have that much to play for, do they? Yeah. Like they're the base, they could drop they there's a scenario where they could drop down to the seven seed, but in reality, they're kind of locked in. And the thing is, is you don't even know who you would be playing. That's the thing. It could be the Bills or the Bengals or the Chiefs. Or the Ravens. Yeah. I mean, so, I don't know. I think if this gets to seven, I'll take the Rams. But right now, where it's at, this is just a complete dead number for me. Yep, I agree. Let's move along to Vikings and the Packers. Vikings 12 and 3 straight up 6 8 and 1 against the spread. Packers 7 and 8 straight up 7 and 8 against the spread. Green Bay is a 3 and a half point favorite in this game, which is just a kind of hilarious with these two teams. And you know, the Packers, they come out of a game where their defense shut out the Dolphins in the second half. Their season was on the line and what I love to see, they just got aggressive. They are going for it on every fourth down. They went for it 5 times on fourth down and they completed 3 of them. And that's, that's what you want to do. Now, they got some help because a lot of the other playoff contenders lost. And so the Giants, the Commanders, the Lions, the Seahawks, they, they're keeping the Packers alive. But the Packers still need help. They If Washington and the Giants win out, there's nothing that the Packers can do. They can't get ahead of either of those teams. And, I mean, sure, did they win last week? Have they won a few games in a row now? Yes, I think we can dive into those games, though, and they do not look quite as good as Aaron Rodgers would make you think they look. Um, last week, I mean, was it Tua that maybe had a concussion? Like, are we? If, if that's the case, then how much do we take from what the Packers did in the second half and maybe say that they were playing against a concussed quarterback who did nothing in the second half after playing well in the first half? Now, Aaron Rodgers did complete passes to 10 different receivers for 238 yards. They did lose wide receiver Watson to an injury. Keep an eye on that. And we know Aaron Jones has been banged up too. As they scored 13 straight points in the second half. They're now on a three-game winning streak. The Vikings, 11-0 in one-score games this year. That's the most ever by a team in NFL history. TJ Hawkinson has been awesome. He caught at least three passes in every game since joining Minnesota last week. 13 catches on 16 targets for 109 yards and two touchdowns. And Justin Jefferson has now broke the single season receiving yards record for Minnesota. He passed Randy Moss. He's now, he's only what a 209 yards shy of breaking Calvin Johnson's record. Although he will have an extra game to do it. And Calvin Johnson did, but I, I mean, he could very easily get the 209 because he's averaging this year. This is nuts. An average game. 8.2 8.2 catches and 117.1 yards per game for, yep. for Jefferson this well, year. They give him the ball. You know what and I mean? You're, you're right. That's And that's what you're supposed to do with players like that. There have been, I don't know, three games this year that they've won because of this guy. Yeah. Because um, they've targeted him on like the final drive or in a crazy situation. He's played 48 career games, 24. He's hit 100 yards. That's 50% of his games. The the highest percentage of career 100-yard games was 38%. So yep. the, the best player in history got 38% of their games, 100 receiving yards. He's on pace to smash that. I mean, it was a typical Vikings game, though, right? They're, they're up by eight, three minutes to go, but they let the Giants go 75 yards in 59 seconds and mm. convert the two-point conversion to tie the game 
And then Minnesota drives late. They have to complete a third and nine and a third and 11 in the final two minutes to kick a 61-yard game-winning field goal. The defense is bad. They continue to get lucky. They gave up 445 total yards. They gave up 334 passing yards. But because they forced a fumble and interception, and on special teams, they blocked a punt, which gave their offense a short field to score a touchdown. It's like all of these things needed to happen again for them to win this game that they got badly outgained. Um, but now they're kind of in a spot where they're almost playable because they're a dog here. I don't know. What do you think about the Vikings and the Packers? I took the Packers minus the three. You know, Rodgers 63% as a home favorite in December games. I know this is played on January 1st, but it's basically December. Yeah. You know, as a home favorite, he's 70% ATS. LaFleur has never lost a game in the month of December. Again, I know it's January 1st, basically December. Minnesota, who is the second best record in the NFL, 25th in total DVOA per football outsiders. The weakness of the Packers defense is defending the run, but it Cook really hasn't looked like the old Delvin Cook. He isn't explosive as he used to be. I think the Panther, the Packers are going to shadow Alexander on Jefferson once they start to do that in week one. Jefferson didn't have the production that he did. And Cousins has only covered once in his history at Green Bay, and that's when they were getting five and a half a couple of years ago. This short number, three or less, I'm taking the Packers. Yeah, and then at and what's funny is at more, like right now we're pulling up Betfred, and it's up to three and a half. Like if we're in the three and a half, four range, I'm probably on the Vikings because they're always in these close games. Like that's the one yeah. thing we know about them. It's yeah. always a close game with them, and they are still – playing because they haven't had they have an opportunity to still get yeah, the they, one seed. if they win out and and, and eagles, eagles lose, lose out, out yeah. they can get the one seed so they at least have an a, have a chance and, and should play this week because then if they win or lose this week it won't matter next week based on what the eagles do they'll they'll know moving forward as uh we get the sunday night football Steelers Ravens Ravens are a two and a half point favorite in this game it doesn't look like Lamar is going to be playing does it no and I mean the line movement says this sometimes yeah. you have to you have to read the read line, the line. I yeah. I locked in the Steelers at three and a half um and because it's moved a little bit yeah. right now it's yeah, at we're line, seeing two and a half and the yeah. over under is 35 in this game yeah. the line and the line movement suggests that Lamar is going to play with, this, with the playoff spot basically secured up, there is an outside chance they could get the three seed, but they need a couple dominoes to fall. Um, I think they just want to get to the playoffs. They want Lamar. They want their defense. They want their offensive line because they've been bad on a lot of injuries. They just kind of want everyone healthy. Yeah. Then you just kind of look at it like this. Harbaugh against Tomlin. Harbaugh is 36% ATS against Tomlin. 20% ATS against Tomlin as a home favorite. 29% ATS is a home favorite of three or less against Tomlin. So he doesn't cover at home when he's a favorite, especially when he's a short favorite against, against Tomlin. Tomlin road dog, 60% ATS to end the year as a dog, 58% ATS. Since Watt has come back, Pitt is eighth in total DVOA defensively, second in DVOA defending the run with Huntley back running the offense, you know, they struggle to move the ball. They're going to lean on the run game even more. And with how well the Steelers defense is playing, that's going to be really tough. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're playing really well against the run too. Yeah. Um, 
both, uh, both, you know, these teams, as you said, Baltimore's in the playoffs and Pittsburgh still has an outside shot to get in They're seven and eight, eight, six and one against the spread. The Ravens 10 and five, six, eight and one against the spread. The Ravens pick up a win in a game where they didn't crack 300 total yards and they only had 15 total first downs. There was only one touchdown scored in the game and they had it. And that proved to be the difference. Atlanta turned the ball over. They got the ball. They ran it 11 times in a row and then threw a six yard touchdown to Demarcus Robinson, who was the first wide receiver to catch a touchdown since week three. They have not thrown a touchdown pass in their last three games. Now, that's three out of four games that have been wins for the Ravens, giving them a shot at the division still. They ran the ball well, 184 yards. Um, Edwards and Dobbins combined for 150. They just struggle at finishing drives right now and scoring touchdowns. Uh, They were just one of four in the red zone. One touchdown, three field goals against the Falcons, and that defense ranks 22nd in red zone efficiency. And they, you know, in the three games with Lamar, they've had two touchdowns. And the Steelers feel really good. Like they, they are a fun team kind of heading into next year because they struggled early in the year. They made a quarterback change. You feel better about Pickett. You know what? I agree with you in that. I don't I don't know if I'm like completely sold on Pickett 100%, but right now he is graded at quarterback number 10 over his last three games in weeks 13 through 16. It seems like that buy really helped him. He completed seven passes on the game-winning drive last week, and it was his second fourth-quarter comeback so far this year. It was his third game-winning drive of the year all since week 10. So now they've they've got a young quarterback who – is he going to be the greatest quarterback in the world? I don't know, but they sure feel at least positive, and there's a good energy about him and Pickens and a couple young pieces. Their defense looks better, and now they're playing for their coach to try yeah. to not have a that that under 500 record for the first time. Long term, they need that offensive line. Um, Absolutely, I really feel that's what they needed to do it. Najee can't stay healthy. They should have drafted an offensive lineman there. It still blows my mind. They, they took Najee Harris when they had the offensive linemen that were on the board that were, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see like Pickett, Pickett makes some jumps next year. Then I'll be in on him. I'm still not in on him. Um, but in the spot, I absolutely love him. I love him in the spot. I think they could even straight up win the game. Um, yeah. I mean, they went on a 10 play 76 yard drive when they were down by four late in the fourth quarter to win a game. They had more first downs, more total yards, a 350. The Raiders only had 200. They had much higher yards per play. They won the time of possession by five minutes. They missed two field goals. So that's why they needed that late comeback to win that game last week that they won on the uh, 50th anniversary of the immaculate reception, just days after the passing of the legendary Steeler. Franco Harris let's get to Monday Night Football awesome game this week two of the best teams in football the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals Buffalo 12 and 3 straight up 7 7 and 1 against the spread Cincinnati 11 and 4 straight up 12 and 3 against the spread you have the Bills who dominated on the ground last week against the Bears team that's known for dominating on the ground the Bills ran 31 times for 254 yards and 8.2 yards per carry and they had all three runners successful Cook Singletary and Allen Singletary 12 carries 160 yards Cook 11 carries 99 yards Allen six carries for 41 yards it was another slow start for them though that's something that could hurt them against a team like the Bengals they were actually down by four points at halftime and they they held Chicago to just three points in the second half they scored 29 themselves to flip the game and just blow the Bears out it was their sixth straight win 
and they're 10th in their last 12. These are two hot football teams. The Bengals, they come in winning seven in a row. They've won 11 of their last 13. They're a little banged up right now, though, too. Injuries on the offense and the defensive line. And they have not been running the ball all that well the last couple weeks. They've only averaged three yards per carry last week. But they dominated the game early. They completed their first four third downs, including a third and 17. Joe Burrow completed his first 11 passes, and they outgained the Patriots 303 yards to 70 at the half. He had 28 completed passes in the first half, which is the most by any quarterback in any half this season. That's the most completed in the first half in any game since 2007, which Tony Romo had. All five of their drives in the first half went for at least 40 yards. They honestly could have scored five touchdowns. They had two drives get stalled. One of them, they had to kick a field goal, and the other, they threw a red zone interception. So they ended up scoring three touchdowns, kicked the field goal. They were up by 22, which could have been more. I mean, they were the much better team, but they still weren't sharp. Lots of little things, right? They missed an extra point. They missed a field goal. And those things cost you because in the second half, they looked unstoppable in the first. Second half, they got shut out. 33 yards and a punt on their first possession. Pick six, then a three and out, then a missed field goal, then a fumble, then a punt. And with three minutes left to go in the game, they had a four-point lead, and they fumbled the ball. They gave the ball to the Patriots, who drove all the way down to the five. Patriots had first and goal at the five-yard line and had every opportunity to win the game, but the Patriots fumbled the, the ball away. And then Cincinnati got the ball back and couldn't couldn't run the clock out. They had to kick it back to the Patriots again and give them another chance to come back and win the game. So I like the Bengals a lot as a team. I really do. It seems like they're at a stretch of the season right now where a lot of things have bounced their way. In, and they probably should have lost one or two of these games recently. Now, I don't know what that means about this game moving forward, but they're a little tad overvalued because I think a few things have sort of bounced their way. And like the, the Bengals are 12 and three against the spread. That rarely happens. Like the, the reason why we do all this work is because most teams against the spread are close to 500. That's what the spread is there for, to be the equalizer. I, I don't know what to do in this game, though. I'm kind of fascinated fascinated by it, Eric. Talk to us about this one. Yeah, I have no idea what to do at all. Um, if this gets to I, – I kind of feel, though, that the Bengals match up better with the Chiefs than they do against the Bills. I completely agree. I do, too. Um, I am tempted to play the Bills' money line here. Just because I really think we That's need to kind spot of sit I want back in. and kind of just kind of understand what the Bengals are doing and this insane cover rate they're happening on. There needs to be some regression. To the Teams aren't meant to go no. twenty-four against in the in the ATS in their last twenty-four games. There needs to be a slide coming because the market over-adjusts when a team is covering so mm-hmm. much. <sighs> I'm tempted to play the money line right now. I know Bet Fred has it at what? Um, minus 115. Yeah, I'd play the minus 115 for Buffalo right I now. I agree. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think, I think so too. I think the Bengals are going to get some public money come out coming out of them. Um, you know, they have struggled. The Bills defending the run, maybe get some Joe Mixon yardage. But on the flip side, 
The Bengals are a little bit banged up. Plus, they suffered a big issue, a big injury. The turning point in that game last week against the um, – I'm oh, my God, I'm spacing on it. I'm sorry. Against the uh, Patriots. Bears. Against the Patriots for the for the oh, Bengals. Okay, yeah. Was when Collins got hurt. Once Collins got hurt, that Kyle Collins. Patriots that's yes. To get to the to get to Burrow a lot more. And they had just like figured yeah. their offensive line out, right? It took like about two months this year for them to get it all together, and it had been very good. And now you take out a big piece of that offensive line, and you only have two weeks to try to reshuffle it, and you have to try to reshuffle it against a good Bills team right off the yeah. bat. Yeah. I just, I lean bills here, but I, I never lay points on the road. I'll play a money line on the road if it's a pick them. Bills are nothing for me. That's okay. that's how it is. But our, I'll tell you what, our buddies at Bet Fred, I mean, they're opening up the first in Ohio. I mean, what a game on the second half. I know. Night. It, I mean, you they, could not ask for a better game no. to kick it off. So this is going to be a tough week because I agree with you as far as like finding a lot of plays to like. Let's see if we can get to five. Texans plus four and a half. Yep. Dolphins plus three. We want to go there? Yeah, we'll go uh, there. Let's go Pitt plus the two and a half. Yep. Let's go Bills money line. Sounds good. And then let's see. For our final game, do we go? Um, we were thinking about Rams. We were thinking about I think Seattle. We go Seattle. Seattle plus Rams. one and a half. Seattle Rams or the Saints, one of those three. Let's go Seattle. Okay. Let's go Seattle plus the one and a half. So those will be our five. Texans plus four and a half. Bills money line. Dolphins plus three. Pitt plus two and a half. Seattle plus the one and a half. There, Eric. We're almost to the uh, we're almost to the final week of the NFL season. I can't thank you enough for all the time and effort and uh, work you've given us the last couple years. Now let's try to end on a strong note. You and I will be back. Uh, on Sunday, possibly, like if your schedule changes and we don't see you on Sunday morning, no worries on that. But we do have our Sunday show at 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern time over at BTV Bets on Twitter if you want to follow there. Tell us what else you have coming up in the next couple days. Uh, I got my podcast uh, coming out on Friday. Um, you know, my boy David and I, we give our four best bets. Like I give a player prop and a side. He gives a halftime bet. And aside, my buddy Nick, him and I give you a DFS build, and uh, I will rant and rave about Sean Payton, Nathan Hackett, and the whole certain sports books refunding people for bets when they should just accept that it's a loss and move on. Eric, buddy, good luck this weekend, and uh, we'll be talking to you more over the next few days. We also have some college football bowl game stuff to talk about, so. Uh, fun time as we get ready to turn the calendar to the new year. Have a nice couple days with your family, buddy, and we'll talk again real soon. Sounds good. Good luck. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, folks. Uh, plenty more to come on That's What G Said podcast. If you're just watching on social media, thanks so much. We'll uh, have another episode next week where we go through all of the Week 18 games. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the 
DRF, the Daily Racing Forum, for years studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack or wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF pass performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic pass performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF pass performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com better you want to spread your pony knowledge Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Fantasy Horse Racing at StableDuel.com. Download the app for free. You can play into DFS-style gaming where you have to build your lineup on the salary cap. I'm sure a lot of you have played you know, DFS for football, fantasy, stuff like that. That's what you get here with Stable Duel. Get those entries in and play, race, win. Let's give out a couple plays for this weekend. Let's go Friday, Santa Anita, and Gulfstream, and then we'll go to Saturday. First up, Gulfstream Park Friday. Let's start in race number one with the number three, Andy One. Going to go second start off the bench, dropping in class, getting back to the turf, and his lone victory, her lone victory, came on the turf back in June. She can sit nicely. I think it's a good spot for Andy One, who's 5-1 to one on the morning line. If we can get anything around 7-2, to two, we'll make a win wager there in the opener on Friday. Let's move to race number five at Gulfstream Park for Friday. 
Five for a long turf sprint for first level allowance runners. I like the eight in here, House Builder. This guy can stalk. He gets off the rail and he's drawn well. He showed some ability up at Woodbine on the turf. And then in his most recent race, he was in a tight spot down on the inside, about six or seven lengths off. He was chasing lone speed. I think we just put a line right through that race. And now with the outside draw, he can sit a little bit if he has to. New York Thunder is going to take all the money, and hopefully this guy can stay in striking range. House Builder, he's 12-1 to 1 on the morning line. Anything around eight will make a win wager there. And we move to race number eight. I'm looking at the number nine in here. Tap the speed of sound. If you toss the Woodbine races, maybe he just didn't like that turf course. It's not as if those races were tougher than the stakes race that he was in back in May. So it's not like a class thing why he ran so poorly. Then he comes back to Gulfstream on December the 1st on the synthetic and wins. He can sit off the pace a little bit. Look at some of the horses that he lost to. Emmanuel in his dirt debut. He lost to a horse named California Frolic, who since... The May, uh, since that May stakes race, California Fra Frolic has finished first, second, and second in three races. The number nine tapped the speed of sound, 20 to 1 on the morning line. If we can get anything in double digits, I think that's fair value on this one. So a dive into Gulfstream Park for Friday. Before we move on over to Saturday, um, we have Santa Anita Friday. We encourage all of you, if you're looking for anything in the world of real estate, to head to cindycarava.com, the website C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. Now, that's a full-service realtor. She can help you with buying. She can help you with selling. She can help you with leasing. If you need help uh, getting pre-approved for a loan, she'll connect you to the right type of lenders. If you need help with home improvement, she'll connect you to gardeners, landscapers, painters who she's worked with and has experience with in her own home. Cindy is one of the kindest and most genuine people you will ever meet. CindyCarava.com We get to Santa Anita for Friday. Let's take a look at three races here. Races 1, 3, and 5. In the opener, the 6 Jennifer's Delight is a little bit intriguing, but I really like the 9 Autism Community. I played this horse last time on December the 3rd. She got to the inside... She was sitting about five lengths off, and she started the move inside, and she got backed right up into by a tiring rival as she was starting to loom into contention. She had to steady, she had to back up, and she came on again. thought she closed really well in there. That's the number nine, Autism Community, who is 8-1 to one on the morning line, and we'll play this course if we can get anything over four. In the third race, it's the Eddie Logan. They'll go a mile on the turf. I like the three, Classical Cat. This guy's debut was very good beating Hijazi, and then he went in the Del Mar Futurity in his second start. It's a little bit too much for him that day. He bounced back in career start number three. They tried the turf. He sat a beautiful trip there, and he has that nice stalking style. He's 4-1 to one on the morning line. Anything over three will make a win wager on Classical Cat. And we move to race number five. It's a maiden special weight going a mile on the turf. I'm looking at the four Genius Jimmy, who draws the inside who drew the inside back on December the 4th, immediately got caught behind horses, wanted to go, got backed up into, was sixth, was four lengths off, was buried on all sides with nowhere to go, never had a chance to run. That's the number four, Genius Jimmy, who is 20-1 to 1 on the morning line. Best of luck at Santa Anita on Friday. As we turn the page, talk a little Santa Anita Saturday, we encourage all of you to head to sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A, candles.com for some all-natural soy wax candles. When you use the promo code G-I-N-O, it'll get you 10% off your purchase. Let's talk 
Santa Anita on Saturday. Let's go races one, five, seven, eight, nine are the ones I'm taking a look at in the opener. What a good Joe Hernandez. This is a grade two that is loaded. I like Iridao, who can come closing. Was a really good runner-up going six and a half down the hill behind Air Force Red back in June. And this is a horse who will just lay back and make one big late rally. And we've seen him run well down the hill. I'm going to give him another shot at a big price of 15 to 1. That's Iridao, the number two. Let's move to race number five. We'll go to the inside with the number one, Midnight Taxes, whose turf debut was a fine fourth. He showed speed, and he ended up finishing behind a second and third place runner that both came back to win Maiden Special Wakes in their next start. Midnight Taxes has some speed from the rail, can also, I think, sit a little bit if he has to. Let's use the one, Midnight Taxes. 8-1 to one on the morning line, anything around 5 will make a win wager there. In the seventh race, I'm looking at the number 9 in here. And this one's a, a bit intriguing. This horse drops, cuts back, and gets back to the turf. So we know he's got some ability on the turf. And now the question is, where does he fit? What, what class level is the right spot for her? I've said him a couple times for this filly. She's in the D'Amato barn now. And she's going to get a drop and get to the grass. Cuts back to a turf sprint. Let's see if she can come rolling late. The number nine in here, who is 15 to 1 on the morning line. We move to race number eight. It's the Las Flores. And I'm not quite sure if this horse is good enough to win the race, but I really like Doris May and what she's done as of late. She has some speed, she can sit off, and she's drawn well to the outside. I expect that she'll be forwardly placed. She's going to get the class test in here. Nobody really scares the heck out of me. Like, there are no monsters in this race. Let's give Doris May a look at 5 to 1. We close out the Santa Anita card on Saturday with the number three in race number nine, Code Duello. Check out some of his, his turf form overall. His last turf race was a five furlong sprint at Del Mar where he finished third at 29 to one. Last time he was on the turf before that, he was winning a starter allowance at Santa Anita at 10 to one, going six on the turf. And at six and a half on the turf, he actually was a pretty decent fifth when he drew the rail that day and had to come from out of it. He's got some ability. He's pretty good on the grass. And it's not like distance should be a problem for him. He was second at Golden Gate going a mile last year. He can stretch this out. I like the three, Code Duello, who is 10-1. to 1. Anything around six will make a win wager there on Saturday at Santa Anita. Best of luck at Santa Anita on Saturday. And remember, those Santa Anita Pick'em contests are back free to enter. Follow us on social media, and we'll show you exactly how to enter those contests. We finish up with This Week in Wrestling. Chad Cooper joins us to talk about everything going on in the world of WWE with SmackDown. Monday Night Raw had a clip show and NXT and AEW. Koopaloop, Chad Cooper joins us for This Week in Wrestling. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's This Week's Wrestling Recap. All right, calm down. And here he is. Your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper! Well, it's time for another edition of This Week in Wrestling, and we've got the, the tag team of, uh, of It's Me, Gino B, and Chad Cooper, and both of us have gotten attacked by that macho man, Randy Savage. He came after the larynx. 
It was like Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. He, he laid us across the gu- the guardrail and did the double axe handle off the top rope. So we might have a little shorter edition this week because uh, both of us a little a little <clears throat> under the weather. We got the you can hear it in our voice. Yeah, Gino, it's um, you know I feel okay. I sound bad, but you know that Randy Savage, he's the sob, and uh, I is. think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna be off TV for a while. I think they're resetting my character. Yeah, going to get a little repackaging for the coop. <laughs> Let's dive into everything that happened this last week in wrestling. So we're recording this on Thursday, and uh, we're getting set up for a really big episode of SmackDown. They've been leading to a tag team main event match with John Cena and Kevin Owens against Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn, the honorary Oose. So, man, bloodline flying on uh, on all cylinders right now. And this is going to be a really big episode of SmackDown. And that's how we opened up SmackDown last week with the Bloodline. And then the uh, the Usos retaining their tag team championships over Hit Row. Like most times when the Bloodline is out there, it's damn entertaining. Yeah, it was. And, uh, you know, kudos for kind of rejuvenating this storyline a little bit. Um, it was uh, it's it's never been bad, but it's 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 been really long. And we've been invested in it for quite some time. And uh, the the hero uh, is not Roman Reigns. Uh, it's not Paul Heyman. It's not the Usos. It's it's Sami Zayn. And last Friday night uh, on that SmackDown, um, that was one of the, and it may have came at the end of the show, that was probably one of the better Sami Zayn promos in a long, long time. He he's He was very emotional. It was great. Oh, yeah. yeah. I I don't like Kevin Owens and USOB for bringing John Cena into this, and I'm personally going to handle it. And as you said, this leads up to a massive, massive main event that you're getting on on Fox, free television. So um, everything they've touched has turned to gold. So it was uh, was a good way to start off SmackDown, and it was a good tag team match. Um, It was fine. It was solid. I I, I don't think anyone thought uh, Hit Row was going to win. Um, no. But, you know, just, you know, again, just shows the the power of uh, the bloodline here. And then we had the gauntlet match to crown the number one contender for the women's title. We had Emma versus Zia Lee. Then Zia Lee gets the win. She takes on Tegan Knox. She beats Tegan Knox. And here comes Raquel Rodriguez still uh, selling that left arm injury with the brace on her arm from her broken left elbow. But she ends up beating Zia Lee. She beats Liv Morgan after a really kind of fun mat- little match between the two of them. She beats Sonya Deville, then it looks like she's the winner. And then they have Shayna Baszler come out, and she's able to quickly roll up Shayna. So Raquel gets the win. I thought she came out of this looking very strong. I thought it was a really good night for Raquel. And now she's going to be facing Ronda Rousey next week on this big episode of SmackDown for the women's title. Yeah, you know, this is, uh, it, it, it was okay. There was some sloppiness there, but I, I had no problems with the gauntlet match. As you said, Liv and Raquel uh, put on a, gr- a great show. <clears throat> the interesting part is here is, man, they have, I, I thought this storyline between, or, or at least the match between Raquel and uh, Ronda Rousey would, would possibly headline a pay-per-view, and maybe it does. Maybe there's something with the arm there and she's not able to beat her. 
or there's a DQ. Remember, Rousey now is a heel. But, man, to put this match on TV is is really, really interesting because I I think in the future, I think Raquel is the the women's champion. uh, I do, too. SmackDown and or Raw. It's it's interesting how fast um, they're doing this angle. Don't know how the match ends. I don't see Raquel again winning this match. No, maybe not this quickly. Thing is, not this quickly. Maybe it sets. Maybe it's a DQ, Smazzy, as you say, and maybe it sets up a pay per view match. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe it sets up. You know who the return of uh, of Charlotte. I don't know. We've been saying that it seems like for a couple of months now, but uh, I'm anxious to see this. It's new. Um, you know, it's uh, two unorthodox style of professional wrestlers going at it. And again, you put it on a SmackDown um, that's already big enough. I think it's going to be a really good match. We look like we're going to be getting the de- entering debut of Scarlett pretty soon. Yeah. And she has been yeah. wrestling on live events, apparently. And it looks like they're they're teasing an angle with her and Emma as Emma kind of got in her face. We know that Emma is... In, is involved with Madcap Moss in real life So they could do some sort of a tag team thing if they wanted Or just have Emma versus Scarlet uh, Prior to that we had just Rey Mysterio getting a win Over uh, over uh, Angel there And with um, Humberto So um, yeah what do you think about, about Scarlet possibly getting into the ring She's got that great look now It'll be interesting to see if we uh, get a chance to see her have a match yeah, this is exciting for both ladies. Um, I've seen Scarlett several times on the indie scene. Um, you know, I, I don't know if we saw her in NXT work a match, but uh, she works hard. She trains hard. Um, and I, I'm anxious to see Emma being something that's a little little worthy. You know, again, she signed here over, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And it's kind of, she's kind of been lost in the shuffle. She's been mm-hmm. involved in plenty of segments, you know, no issues there. But, you know, maybe this is something to jumpstart both of them. I'll say this, man. She slapped the living heck out of Scarlet. That that she was did. a stiff slap in Karrion Cross right there. So you don't know what you just did. So I, I think that's a fun little program coming here. Because, again, what do you do with Karrion Cross? You know, this is, uh, he he's he's had some pretty interesting storylines. And then uh, he not getting reset, but there was a couple of weeks we we really don't see a whole lot of him, and now he's got something maybe involvement here. So it's good to see him back uh, in the ring in the storyline as well. We yeah we're set up for a big episode of SmackDown next week: Cena and Kevin Owens versus Roman yeah. and Sammy, Ronda versus Raquel Rodriguez, and Sheamus versus Solo. That should be a banger Ooh, too. Those man. two guys could just be. Slapping and hitting the crap out of each other <laughs> We uh Man they're trying with Lacey They gave us another military <laughs> yeah, video did. here They're trying <sighs> They're sure trying with her but Yeah we'll, we'll see because This is probably where they should have just gone from the beginning The beginning yeah good call you know? And now it's Sometimes it's hard to kind of get back that first Impression we'll see what they continue to do With her we finished with the miracle on 34th Street fight. <laughs> Gotta have these always in the holidays. And this one, this one was funny because the match was good. Yeah, it you was. know, all of these guys are good. Ricochet and Braun are kind of a fun tag team actually because they're so different, you know. And and then Ludwig and and Vinci are very very good. So a couple of the fun spots in here. There was one moment where Braun Strowman goes and gets some mistletoe. 
and he holds it over the uh, the ring announcer who happens to be Ricochet's girlfriend. They're yeah, really dating yeah. in real life, so he holds the the uh, <laughs> mistletoe up, and she goes and gives him a big kiss, and then it like it powers up Ricochet. He like he gets all powered up from the kiss, and then goes starts going crazy. I thought that was kind of a funny spot, and then they're up on the ramp, and there's a couple big present boxes there, and they go to open one up, and a ballerina comes out just <laughs> randomly like dancing out. And then in the next box, it's the new day and they come out dressed as nutcrackers. And they just, <laughs> it's so stupid stuff, but you know what? It's funny. And I, I thought every, everything was, it wasn't like it didn't go on too long or any of it. Yeah, they were just yeah. kind of fun spots in the match and the match was good. And your baby faces get the win Braun and Ricochet. And it's good. Like these are the kind of things that we didn't see with Ricochet for Lots of time right ricochet would get One story he'd get like a match At the US title or the IC title He'd lose And then he'd be off TV for a while And that's not the case this was nice to see Him just kind of get a nice win back and It looks like Braun might be heading Towards Gunther I I think for the IC championship Yeah you know We continue to talk about ricochet And again I, I am just I'm all In on him having this Fantastic run in the Royal Rumble Yep. Um, I, I look with, with Triple H running the show, um, things are completely different now. Would it would it floor you if that guy won the Royal Rumble? No, God, I it mean, would be awesome. He would, he would, know, and I don't think know. he's there yet, but man, no, I don't you either. feel you feel right now, just like Pretty you're big. saying, like he's due for a prime long run and like a final four, yeah. Like, yeah. give me one or two really big eliminations, even if it's a guy like Braun sure. that he eliminates, right? Sure. You know, that would be fun, and it could help set up a feud for him moving forward. And we also got Bray Wyatt before we moved on from SmackDown. Yeah. Bray came out with a lantern, and he said that one of the hardest things to do is stand out there because it's nerve-wracking, and he's not used to this, and presenting the real him, and he says that LA Knight doesn't believe him, and then... He says he's not Uncle Howdy. I was never Uncle Howdy. And then he kind of looks like he's kind of lost. He doesn't know what to do. He just goes after a cameraman, <laughs> attacks him. This was sort of very much like a McFoley thing or like a mankind yeah. thing early on. You just like attack the nearest person and he's just going after him. It it was it was creepy. This has been taking a while, but I will say it's all been pretty intriguing. Like every yeah. time that LA Knight's been out there or Bray's been out there. They've done a really good job with the time that they're given. So I don't mind slow stories like this for two new characters who they probably don't want either of these guys to just like quickly lose this and move on. It's good for the both of them to be feeling like they're in a big feud. Yeah. And I think we're only going to get maybe, uh, maybe two matches out of it. I'm hoping just one. Cause we got a pitch black match coming at the rumble, right? It looks like. Yeah, that's, that's what we're going to get. And I, you know, I wouldn't think, Maybe this goes on any further. Maybe it could. Maybe they get real creative with it. You, you know, you're definitely not going to get the vintage Michael Cole. Can the two coexist with each other? And this Can they team? coexist? <laughs> you know, we're not going to get that. But um, man, it's uh, it's 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 cinema like this. This draws you in, like you're watching um, a, a superhero or a, or a dark series. On one of the streaming services, they've done really well with Bray Wyatt. Again, we continue to mention how great and, uh, you know, 
they were, you know, he was a fragile character. We remember him getting crapped on by the WWE universe when he left, right? And mm-hmm. so when he came back, they didn't just say, hey, this is Bray Wyatt, let's throw him back. I, I don't know. This, this, look, for all the crap we give WWE and other promotions, AEW, you've got to, even if you've crapped on SmackDown and you've crapped on everything the WWE has done for the last couple of months, you have to give a standing ovation what these writers and bookers have able been able to do with Bray Wyatt. Remember, this guy has not wrestled a match at all, you know, since coming back. And for yeah. him to draw the attention of everyone anytime he comes on TV, you know, and it hasn't been the same promo backstage. You know, it hasn't been with the puppets. It hasn't been with this. And, you know, it's like, oh, all right, come on, get over with. They've been very creative on a guy that we thought uh, – possibly was going to go to AEW, maybe Impact, maybe Japan. Maybe he's not going to wrestle anymore. Hell, maybe he comes back as Husky Harris. But kudos for WWE to to reinvent and and shed a new light on this. And as well as LA Knight, too. Again, we talked about it last week. <clears throat> that guy was was in some, some early trouble with his uh, Max Dupree character, and they were able to uh, to flip that switch real quick. So, again... It just seems like everything we talk about on SmackDown is is just hitting on all cylinders. It, it's just, it, and it has been like that for a while, and it just seems like it's getting stronger heading into 2023. Now, I, Chad, I've, not no joke, I've watched every episode of Monday Night Raw ever since 1993. You know, I, sure. I since they yeah. started, that's not, like, I'm not even, I, every week I've ever watched ever, ever, if I've missed it live, I had it recorded or DVR'd or whatever. Same. I don't think this has ever happened before. Have they ever run a clip show like this that you can remember? Oh, no. There was a show that was, remember they had the snow like five years ago in 20, or it was like 2015 when they had the blizzards and they couldn't run the show live from the arena. So they ended up doing some promos. They had like Ambrose walking through the snow. Yeah. Remember yeah. all through that. So they actually still did live content and they had a couple live interviews on this show. So they actually had that. some new interviews on, on the Monday night raw, but I don't think I, I can ever remember them doing a clip, a full clip show like this. Can, and I don't know. You, and I, and I want to be honest with you and I understand giving people time off and I understand the circumstances because Christmas was on Sunday. And so, uh, you know, applaud them for giving these guys and girls because they do work a majority of the year. But man, it, it I, I don't remember it. I don't, I think maybe one time during COVID, like when everything started shutting down in the week of the first Raw or SmackDown. It, it might have been, worked, you're right. They, it, it, they didn't know what to do, but that didn't last very long because they worked with no one in the arena. It, uh, and it's it doesn't matter holidays. I, I you know what I mean. They, they've no, always no. run <clears throat> run new shows, so this was a little bit different, a little bit unique. But there were a key thing, a key few things to talk about sure, coming sure. out of Monday Night Raw. Um, yeah, like a lot of recaps, and they would show clips of some of the best matches of the year. We had the Street Profits open things up, talk about some of the biggest moments that took place, and then um, we had. Jackie Redmond and Corey Graves at WWE Studios. They were sort of hosting the show from there. Awesome match. They had a, a video tribute to John Cena, 20 years in WWE. Stone Cold versus KO at Mania. Um, Johnny Knoxville versus Sammy. And then Sammy <laughs> got all mad. 
It's like, man, I can't believe they showed that stuff. And he said, now they're going to show some of the great bloodline. And then they interviewed the New Day. Shout out to Kathy Kelly. She looks fantastic right now. Yeah, she does. And yeah. New Day is your current NXT champ. So they got to cut a promo. Um, they talked about how the New Day started with Big E. And it was it was cool. I actually thought it was a good idea to mix in some of these Promos throughout the show so it wasn't Just a clip show and it did give You at least a little bit of maybe buzz Or things you could post on social Media or some reason for people to go back And watch this show and get some new stuff Yeah the ratings weren't Very good but what do you expect I mean When you have a a year End review type that that that's that's Going to be something where people say oh you know I'll maybe casually watch it flip Back and forth but it was well done You know uh, did we hear from Cody Rhodes as well or did I did I dream? No, that? no, we got Cody Rhodes. We got um, okay. We got Bianca also. So after the New Day, it was they showed Usos New Day match. They had Bianca cut a promo. Um, she was actually at home, yeah. And she talked yeah. about how she spends the holidays with Montez, her husband. And I like those type of promos, man. I me just too. Do. I do. I love it, the at home promos more. It makes them look more humanized and more especially around the holidays too. Right? Yes. right when you're at the Instead holidays of in a at your studio. House, it's like, oh, cool! Everybody is yes. sitting at home at the holidays, <laughs> taking a few extra days off, and you're right. It just, especially for a baby face too. Yes, yeah. Like a baby yes. face like that, like here, come into my home. Like, look how it is here. Um, yeah, I, I like that quite a bit. They had a little video about Logan Paul. They showed Clash at the Castle, and then uh, we saw Shamey, Sheamus <laughs> at, in Shamey's bar, and uh, <laughs> talked about the brawling brutes. That was kind of fun. And then we shot. Um, we actually saw Drew versus Roman from Clash at the Castle, and Drew was interviewed at home. He talked about how he has some minor injuries, but he's coming back soon. Yeah. And he said he wants to go after Gunther for the IC title. Like that oh, could boy. be a WrestleMania match too. That's a big Mania match. Um, that would be two awesome. big guys that would would beat the crap out of each other. That's a uh, that's a big match. And it it again, you often worry about some of these. Uh, these older um, WWE superstars who've had their runs with world titles that carried the company several years ago. Uh, you often wonder what's left for them. And then here you are. Yeah. I wouldn't even thought about that. I wouldn't even thought about Drew McIntyre um, and, and Guthar, but that, that possibility is, is very intriguing. Again, it's new. And it's two big guys that are not scared of physical contact. So that should be every wrestling fan's dream match right there. The yeah, I thought it was it was pretty pretty decent for a total clip show. Like I'm I'm surprised. A hour one, yeah. Yeah, we we yeah. don't see this, but then we got Cody Rhodes talking about his return and he mentioned Seth Rollins. They have a bond because of battle, and that there's like a respect there between them. Um, he said he doesn't know if he has a, a fourth match with him, but he does <laughs> want he's going after the title. You know, yeah. he mentioned that there's one thing that I came back here and that one thing um, won't stop because of a torn peck. It has to be done. It needs to be done. And I want to get it done. So, hey, now he's back in the uh, back in the mix. Yeah. So 100 so, percent. He's in the Royal Rumble. You think I think he's got to be. Yeah. It's so um, intriguing this year, Rumble. I know they are every year, you know, but it just seems like this one coming up. I, I, I'm I, I'm ready to get to January, and I'm ready to get to 
uh, a Royal Rumble preview show with the guys because there's so much to talk about. There's so many, not just on the roster and returners that are coming back for that match, but the possibilities of NXT guys coming up and being in that match, such as Braun Breaker. You know, uh, will we have a legend of or two that pops in that match? Who has been signed uh, that we don't know of? That that's going to appear. That I, I think this year's Rumble is probably going to be the most intri- intriguing one in quite some time because there's so many possibilities out there and so much new talent. Plus, it'll be Triple H's first big Royal Rumble to run. A lot of excitement there for that uh, that match coming up. Yeah, you know what? It was fine. Like I threw this on in the background. I don't think I watched I, I it live too. Monday I night. Yeah. I threw it on like the next day and was watching it while I was getting some work done and. Yeah, you know what? There were a few new things that popped up that I really kind of wasn't even expecting. So, uh, yeah, we got a Liv Morgan interview. They mentioned that next Monday, Austin Theory defends the U.S. title against Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch. Um, will or it's oh no, and it's going to be um, Bianca and Alexa next yeah. week. Yeah, so, yeah, pretty good Raw and a pretty good SmackDown um, coming up with lots of stuff scheduled as we're now getting close to being about a month away from the uh, from the Rumble. So let's get to NXT. We had Wesley against Tony D here, and that was the uh, one of the big matches on the show. But we actually opened up with I thought pretty cool kind of promos from Julius Creed and JD. This is sort of yeah. slightly different promos the way that they 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 shot them. And then we had, um, dude, this was a really good match. I'm all in on Julius Creed, and it looks oh, like WWE dude. is yeah. too. Like and. Dude, shout out to McDonough. Every time he goes in the ring, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And is. he makes and he it's he hasn't won a whole ton of the big matches that he's been in, but it still feels like a big deal beating JD McDonough. Yeah, would you kind of compare him to Ricochet a little bit? Yeah, you know what? He I and not I, like, I like a total move set, but just how he's been you of course Ricochet's been winning here. That that's a different story, but you know, at one time, Ricochet was put into a lot of matches, and he wasn't winning, but he was performing and making the other guys he was putting up, put over look really, really good. So I thought this was a pretty good episode overall when you have a couple quality matches like this. Yes. And it looks like we're going to have the Creed brothers against Sang and Veer at New Year's Evil in a couple weeks. So they've been building up to that. So good match here. They continue to build. It's like one of those checks all the boxes. You get a good match, yeah. plus it's building to something else. They're so forward. good, man. How, how, I just, it's crazy how much, look, there's it's just crazy how much talent is in NXT and you have a two hour show. And, you know, I don't know if an extra hour online or YouTube would help them or not, but man, they, they do a good job of, of juggling um, and putting them in. It's like what I think last night they, it was announced that AAA in Mexico that WWE had signed Dragon Lee. He's going to be in NXT. He's a, a superstar that that is fantastic. So I, I just you often wonder how long they're going to keep several of these NXT guys and girls down. I would think maybe the first call ups and the first set would probably have to be the Creed brothers. They're just yeah. they're just so the first match it was so green and so like I don't know, but it reminded me of the Steiner brothers it and CW. And it's like, okay, these guys have something. And man, they've grown into really, really being a hot name in uh, in, in professional wrestling. Julius, in particular, is getting more yes. and more comfortable on yeah. the mic. 
You know, you yes. could see he's just getting comfortable with his character now because these guys were just stud athletes. They weren't cutting promos and stuff in their whole life. You know what? They were awesome athletes. Now they're getting used to the entertainment side of it, and they're picking that up a little bit more. Good point. We had. I was kind of surprised that Wendy Chu got the W here. This was real surprising. Yeah, it was. It was a fine. It was only about six minutes or so. It probably setting up a third match, but you know, Cora's been she, doing some I, I good think work. She needed it. I yeah, she needed it, Gino. But it yeah. was surprising here because, but you know, it kind of always seems like that with the heel. It really d- d- does it does it hurt Cora that much? I don't know. We'll find no, out. I don't. I don't it know. It's a real yeah. surprise here, though. Yeah, I agree. So I'd imagine those two have another match moving forward, uh, probably in a couple weeks. We then got scripts. Old Reg here. Scripts. Uh... I got a couple of things here about scripts, Gino. Um, I, I think. The presentation has been fine. I, I like the gimmick. I just don't know if it's totally done its job in ring, if you know what I mean. I, yeah. I think bringing him here, doing this, I, I'm fine that it was old Reg, but something with his, I, I don't know. I'm just not, and, and I like him. I just, I, I don't know if I'm buying this. Well, one of the one of the recaps I was kind of going through uh, said, does a lot of acrobatics, but some of the moves doesn't necessarily look powerful, you yeah, know. And it's yeah. like there's that's something point. in the ring that's not quite connecting yet that we need to see a little bit more from. So um, we got a video of Aura Mensa in the the club, and he's bringing that vibe to NXT. Then a quick video from Alba Fire issuing a warning to Isla Dawn. They have an anything goes match, and you know what? These two, I'm not particular fav- like they're not my particular favorites, but they've done pretty good work with each other, yeah, so far, and like better than the stuff that I was expect expecting, and I'm a little bit more interested in the two of them together than maybe I was them individually, yeah, and and I think i'm i'm I care more about this match they they've done everything you've they've been asked to do, their promos have been good, and I think the match will be fine as well. We then saw. Uh, Lyra Valkyra defeat Lash Legend pretty much a, a squash to put her over here and yeah with about four minutes or so she looks pretty good like she's quick yeah. I like the way she moves you know she just has like a very athletic movement to her sometimes new wrestlers that come in they you could tell that they're like they're setting up their next spot or yeah. you know every yeah. right yeah. she doesn't do that I think she flows really well like yeah. she just has like a, a kind of a quick fun pace to her that I really like. And they showed the toxic lounge with Gigi and JC talking about all their success. They didn't mention Mandy, but they did they it wasn't as if they 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 were talking about her, right? So they didn't say Mandy Rose, but they they talked about how things are going to be different now without, you know, they it's going to be changed. They're you know what can they do to reinvent themselves? I thought the video was was pretty good, and they mentioned going after Roxanne Perez, who took the title from Mandy. So this was a way to reference Mandy without saying her name. <laughs> Interesting here because it brings up a couple of questions. Um, this this is going to be tough for them. Um, it, it's doable. Um, it's going to be really tough because we know the star of the show was Mandy Rose. So it brings up a couple of questions. Uh, does Mandy come back after the fire settles? I don't think so. I think she's done with the WWE. Uh, if if her agent or her rep is right, she's making hundreds of thousands of dollars 
a week since and leaving the WWE. I don't know doesn't why. Doesn't need know? to take bumps. No, it, unless you're in love with professional wrestling, you know, I don't know what that uh, what that does for someone. Um, the second question, um, does toxic attraction need a leader to be with them? And if that, if so, who would it be? I don't know. But this is going to be a tough challenge for them, tough challenge for WWE, NXT, to get these two ladies back over again. Uh, we've seen them on the main roster a couple of times, have some matches. Um, anxious to see where they go with this. Anxious to see where they go. The NXT Championship is going to be up for grabs in a couple weeks with Braun Breaker and Grayson Waller. Waller cut a promo from his home in Australia, and they showed him at the <laughs> Sydney Opera House and all over Australia. And they were going to sign the contract next week for their title match. Braun was mad. He smashed a TV. <laughs> the old TV, like yeah. the, the, the Steelers fans or the Raiders fans watching just these these last minute, especially the Raiders, these last minute losses. Um, you know, it, it's heelish. I, I like the heelish here. Do Do you think that Braun Breaker loses this this title to uh, to Grayson Waller? Gosh, so there is a couple things in my head that I have going. I have <laughs> Braun. I, I think Wesley. Oh, I think I think um, Carmelo. I could see them putting the belt on him and being the guy to beat Braun. Okay. At some point, although I could also see them just saying, "Dude, this guy's ready to go right now. Let's just bring him up to the main roster." Like I don't know. It could be like a transitional. Yeah, and then and like I don't even know because then what we could see something like Grayson get a win, and then maybe they go all in on someone like a Julius Creed. I don't know. You know, like. They That's seem like they're kind of high on him. He could be someone that they kind of shotgun pretty quickly. Or maybe you get something like Wesley losing that North American title. Wesley getting uh, getting elevated uh, there. You know, I think they do have a lot of options right now. I still think Braun, he's ready to go in ring. I think his, my, his mic work and stuff needs a little something. Like, I don't know if he could go up and just cut those, like, massive promos on... You know Monday Night Raw right this second But he can he could He could go in the ring Could they find something for him I don't, You know that that's yeah That that my question is or not That that's that's the question is I, I think the perfect Opportunity to bring him up Would be in the Royal Rumble You know that's the first test there See if the fans he would He would need uh, You can't dump him you know, I, I honestly, if Vince McMahon is running this, Braun gets gets to the Royal Rumble and he lasts what ten seconds in there, and you just you know kind of like a a carrying cross deal what Vince did to him. I, if you bring him up, I think the Royal Rumble is the perfect spot. He gets some really good eliminations, maybe like a Dolph Ziggler or you know someone like that, and uh, you know you introduce him like that. Does he has to? Does he need to be in the Royal Rumble as the NXT champion? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I'm 50-50 with you. I, I, I could see him losing to Grayson Waller. Eventually, they're going to have to, but look how long Mandy Rose kept the title. You know, the yeah. women's NXT championship. She probably still have it if it wasn't for, you know, the, the OnlyFans app or whatever she's doing. So, I don't know. This guy could be there for a while. You never know. But it's interesting, right? I, I, I think eventually he's going to have to lose it. But does it make him a bigger superstar going to the Rumble with that NXT strap or not? I don't know. The schism ends up getting a win. We see them back on the TV. They pick up a win over Edris Nofe, Malik Blade, and Odyssey hey, Jones. Real quick here. I, I 
for what it is, man, these I, I've I've I'm starting to like these guys. Me too. I, I don't know what you know. They've they've had 19 different names. It seems like, but I thought the match was good. It was good. I, I, I think they're I think they're in a position to to really be a very big competitive tag team on NXT. Completely I, agree. And I could see them on the main roster. You know, Absolutely. a Viking Raiders type. But for whatever it is. I have learned, I've warmed up to these guys. I think they've done a great job with this gimmick because at first I thought it was dead in the water. Tuesday night, I, I just, man, I, I, I'm over with them, man. I like them. We have, uh, we have Carmelo and Trick. Uh, they mentioned <laughs> that Carmelo is going to face Apollo and Trick said something about sending Axiom back to Comic-Con, which I thought was a pretty funny <laughs> line. Good line. It was funny. So those should be pretty good matches coming up. And uh, Fallon Henley defeats <laughs> Kiana James for the bar. The bar, the bar stays in the family name. Bar stays. Oh, man. Oh, we got a uh, Roxanne Perez promo. Just pretty basic babyface type promo. And uh, hey, at least the women's champion was on the show. I think we were without it again on AEW this week. God, I know. Whatever. <laughs> and their men's champion was on the show for about five seconds. MJF. Five seconds. Yeah. Literally, yeah, like almost none. Um, <laughs> We got a quick um, promo from Isla Dawn talking about the match next week with Alba Fire. And then we had the Drew Gulak Invitational. Invitational. <laughs> this, like, this just went on a little too long. You it know, did. It, it did. just was, it was just like, it was almost like somebody was doing this as a joke to like pop some of the guys in the back or something. It just kept, it went on like a little too long, but it will set up a match moving forward with Drew. Which should be cool because Charlie Dempsey, who yeah. interrupted, that's William Regal's son. It is. It is. So we're gonna have Drew versus Dempsey next week. Um, which should be kind of fun. Like I actually like Drew Gulak quite a bit. I think he's yeah, good in re- ring and he could have remember, a good run in NXT. Remember when when he was was it Ronda Rousey? He remember he with was Charlotte. Like, yeah. with Charlotte Flair. I, I, I want that Drew Gulak. I want yeah. them to let him open it up. And I think that would be fantastic on NXT. Me too. I, we, look, we, we, we both sang his praises when he was doing that gimmick. We, we thought it was really, really fun. It didn't last as long as what we thought it was. But I think the match is going to be really good. I think he's, I think Drew is, is number one, good in the ring. I think he's very entertaining. But I'd like to see that personality open a little Me bit. Me too. Down, down he, he's, got, he's got a goofy personality. And it's one of those things where it's I so don't. Dry, it's good. It, and you don't need the personality instead of the wrestling. No, it can be no, no, in no, addition no, no. to no. the wrestling. It Absolutely. can be like with Chad Gable right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. He, he goes out there, he has a goofy personality. He's still able to have a 10 or 15 minute match and get over, even though he loses a lot of the time. Like Gulak can do that if, if he's, you know, if he's in this role um, on NXT, it, it should at least give us some good matches, which will be fun. And then next week, we have Braun Breaker, Grayson Waller contract signing. Trick versus Axiom, Carmelo versus Apollo, Alba Fire versus Isla Dawn in an extreme resolution match, and Charlie Dempsey versus Hank. So he faces Hank next week, and that'll probably lead to a yeah. match down the line with uh, with Drew. And we finished up with Wesley versus Tony D. Another very good match. Yep. And Tony D was, you know, in charge through a lot of it. Wesley, as the babyface, came back. Dijak. Helped by um, getting involved and taking Stacks to the back and making sure that Stacks couldn't, you know, cheat in this match. So Wesley 
gets the win, celebrates at the end, and feels like a pretty good star. I I thought overall it was a, a you know, you end, you start and you end with two good matches. It's pre- it's going to be pretty hard to have a bad show. And through a lot of the show, again, we see that they're 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 getting things going. They're heading in good directions. They're throwing things out like they're. Things are starting to change. Like there just felt like a lot of ground covered on the show. Yeah, and I like the way they try to keep it as simple as possible for you to follow everything. Because again, what I was mentioned a while ago, there there's so much talent and so many um, names on this roster. Um, it, it's really a difficult. Uh, you know, it, it's they don't have as many as AEW. But AEW's got that extra hour. AEW's got two more hours on YouTube. So they try to keep it simple. And lastly, Wesley, again, that was the guy that came in as one of the hottest signings because of the tag team he was in um, coming into NXT. And when his partner got uh, got fired, I thought, well, this guy's in trouble. Um, he won't, you know, he'll be back to the Indies, maybe end up on uh, AEW. Nope. Uh, he is a star, sir. And uh, again, this is, this is, this is another future main roster player for the WWE. He he is an incredible worker, man. Let's get to AEW. We had Excalibur introduce the show, and we kicked off with All Ego Ethan Page versus Brian Danielson. I like these two guys. This was yeah, yeah. you know a match that went 17 minutes to start, and we're obviously setting up Brian Danielson to be you know one of the the next major contenders for MJF and for the title, and. Ethan Page is a good, like, you know, stepping point as a heel. It's like you got to get through Ethan Page to get to MJF kind of a thing <laughs> almost because they're sort of similar. He's just like yeah. uh, a but bigger he, version. Yeah. He's big in the ring, and I think people forget his size, and he's good in the ring too. So, you know, not a bad start to the show for the first 20 minutes or so. No, I, I, I wanted to find some stuff to complain about since everybody thinks we hate AEW so much. Um I guess the only negative here would be I, I wish Ethan Page would would get over. Uh, we knew he wasn't going to get over on uh, Brian Danielson, but I like the fact that the match went very long. If this was a shorter type match, this was a crap on type yeah. event for Ethan Page. But it wasn't. It was a no, good opener. I, and, I get, uh, I and I no can feel what you're it. saying is that like I want him to win one of these matches here and there at some point, yeah. but but he didn't look. It wasn't like he got squashed or he looked like a Joe in this match. It went on long and, no. and he was in control for a, a good portion of the That's match. It was point. it was yeah. good stuff. We then had um, a lot of the build to Samoa Joe and Wardlow, which ended up being our main event match. So we had some vignettes and we had some interviews throughout the night. And that ended up being the main event. Now, I will say the match, like in a vacuum, match Good. Samoa Joe, I like Samoa Joe. He looked really good. And he looked tough and he's a badass heel. He beats Wardlow. Wardlow just just fades. He doesn't tap out. He just passes out. And then Samoa Joe cuts his hair after the match and is holding up his hair um, before Darby Allen comes out. And so it looks like Joe and Darby Allen will be the next direction. So in a complete vacuum. I have no problem with with all with what happened. Joe looks strong. Joe gets the win. Darby's going to be the next guy for him. But wow, did did what the hell did Wardlow do? 
Man, I knew you were going there. Right? Like, what did what did Warlow funny, do? Funny, I'm laughing. Yeah. No, but like, where was this guy? This guy squashed MJF a few months ago. He was the most over guy on the show. The place was going nuts. They were having him be brought out to the ring in handcuffs, handcuffs every week. People were counting through his power bombs. He had a great match with CM Punk, where he dominated the whole match. It wouldn't be a shock right now at all if he was facing MJF for the title because he beat MJF and now MJF is the champ. But instead, you have him win the TNT title and then follow that up with nothing. Nothing. And, and, Which I, I I don't like that TNT title to begin with. Me either. I, I don't it's, think it feels important at all, especially if you're going to have guys lose. And I understand I, they may see Joe as a more important player because he's been around the business longer. But man, it this wasn't was bad, long though. ago, Gino. It wasn't long ago you and I were talking about Wardlow is the – this is when everyone was on AEW television now, okay? And you and I both said Wardlow is the biggest thing that AEW has going on. You're right. When, you when they're saying that? When they had Punk. And Cole of them. and Brian Danielson and the Bucks and Omega and everybody was there. He felt like the biggest star and the stuff with him and MJF was the most over on the show. And then you just can't move forward. This has been a constant problem with AEW. And I'm not going to yeah. say WWE doesn't do this either, right? But you always got to have what's next. Yes. What's next? We, we said it right then. Okay, he just got over MJF. But then MJF ends up leaving the company. It kind of took a little bit away from Wardlow. It was like they kind of didn't they stick him in with uh, with uh, FTR? He was in it. Yeah, in they a were doing like six six man stuff. Yeah, like, it just this it was a ball dropper, man. This complete Wardlow. This, this guy was, and this is. I not think a I would say name. the worst of the year. Honestly, he 100%, he is right. 100%. He's on the short list of guys or gals that were over. And then completely had the ball dropped on them. And like I said, it felt like it's like, damn, did he do something to someone? You know, like it, it almost <laughs> now he didn't get squashed. The match was good and he sure. looked good. And he's shown you that he can what what's even more disappointing is like he's not a Goldberg type guy either. He can go for 10 and 15 minutes right. and he can sell. Like he can be he worked as like the baby face from coming from under here. And yeah. Samoa Joe, shout out to him. Hopefully he can stay healthy because he's a badass and he looks there really he good. He is. There's something kind of goofy um, going with the Adam K- Page th- thing. He's, t- you know, they keep asking him about his concussion. He's not sure when he's going to be cleared. And I, it's, I, I don't mind what they're doing with this. I don't know. It's just not connecting with me all that much. I don't, I think he should have, he could just very easily say, hey, look, Mox, look. I, I went down. You didn't even care to see if I was okay. You know what? This is a wrestling match. We're not out there trying to kill each other. Sure, we want to, you know, be, something like that. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It's not quite connected. I'm sure whenever we get to Page versus Moxley, the match will be great, and, and those guys will be really good in the ring. But I, yeah, there's, I don't know. There's something that I'm not quite connecting with here. Yeah, and his mannerisms and his facial expressions. Now, look, <clears throat> let, let's not put Adam Page on a uh, the greatest uh, promo guy of all time because his no. promos, but there's just, I, I'm with you here. I, I can't argue and say, no, I don't know what you're talking about, Gino. It's just the little facial expressions. 
you know, I, he said something or looked at the camera one time and it didn't really make sense. I don't know if they're trying to play off that this guy has CTE. Uh, Which I don't really like. And I don't like that either. I don't like playing I, that's off of case, that, that angle. That's, that's, that's silly. Yeah. That's silly. And this is another guy that had everything going for him. And, you know, Man, I, and, I think and it, again, we we called this when it wasn't we and and it wasn't his fault because no, he was no, gonna no. have a child, right? He was gonna have sure. a kid, so he ended up when he was the most over, and they had that match with the elite versus the dark order and on TV, and then he lost that match and it sort of set him back for a couple months. That was the match that he should have won. He should have won the title right then. And it I don't know if it would have done any more because they didn't have a whole lot set up after, but he had a couple good matches with Brian Danielson, but it just his run was not good as a champ. And now you wonder, like, they already told the best story they had to tell with him. Can and you? I don't get think you can get that, that back. In, and I don't think you can get that back in this day and age in professional wrestling with the smart mark fans and social media. Yeah. I just don't think you can do that at, at this point with with a guy like him. And, and no, it wasn't his fault. We've said this over and over since the beginning of AEW. I remember talking about the beginning of AEW with you. And I understand why they went with Chris Jericho. I completely understand why they did. Um, But no one was on fire coming into a big organization, a new organization like uh, Adam Page was. And I I just, the match will be fine. Um, you know, remember they put him in these bunkhouse type matches and he was bleeding every week. Is it heck? Hey, how many weeks did we see the AEW crowd turn on him? And when he was this this tweener. So, yeah, something was off here. And I don't know if they're playing th- this concussion syndrome with him or if he's just this is what we get with Adam Page. I definitely don't like this version of him. We had Claudio and Moxley pick up a win, a tag team win over Top Flight, which, I mean, the match was very good. And I wonder if they're going to maybe go in this direction with these guys as tag, as a tag team for a little while because you just had Moxley kind of drop out of the world title picture. Right. And, I mean, I could they would be a fine tag team if you put these guys together and, and add them team up. Or maybe this was just a one-time thing, but whatever, the match was fine. It was, you know, nothing Nothing incredible, not awful You'd imagine it was going to be good with these guys in the ring But Top Flight is another one of those teams Where you kind of see them Feels like, oh cool, they they had a good match They did good, and then you don't see them for another month They're off TV right. again Yeah, that's the unfortunate part by AEW um, Because it's, it's obvious that there's not As near as many people that, that go over to Rampage on Friday night and then there's a fraction of that number that watch the the YouTube the YouTube uh, events on I think Monday and Tuesdays uh, that are still around on AEW. You know, as far as the tag team with Mox and uh, Claudio, I, I I'm okay with it. It just feels like we go back to that formula. If you don't know what to do with a couple of guys, didn't Claudio drop the Ring of Honor whatever title he had? To Jericho, yeah. To Jericho, and so you know. Again, you talk about missing the boat. Claudio, Claudio, got again another one. Match, right, his first yeah. pay per view. He's on top of the cage, and everybody's going nuts. He just feels like another guy. We don't see him in the ring for another month or two. But I just don't like the formula. I don't either. And and you know what? We've been critical like of tag formula. We've been critical of Triple H with that too. 
Oh, right? absolutely. absolutely. Bringing people in and not having a whole lot for them and just like bringing them in to bring them in and get them on TV. And like, yeah, cool. Claudio is always going to give us great matches, but he doesn't really feel like he's that big of a star here. We had uh, an interview with Orange Cassidy. It looks like he's going to be defending it against his buddy, Trent, on Rampage. Yeah. And that should lead down the line to Kip Sabian. Hook picks up a, a quick win. <laughs> and uh, and then we had Jungle Boy come out and save Hook. So we're getting something with Hook and Jungle Boy and Big Bill. Like, I don't, you know, I said when I was talking about this a couple weeks ago, I was I'm slightly intrigued by Jungle Boy and Hook together. But I don't know. It just... It just felt like immediately, even reading it back, like there's so much going on. How here. many tag teams are we going to have in this I company? Know. It just and seems we're... like it's just, uh, let's not forget Young Bucks, FTR. Let's not forget the tag team champions. The acclaimed, <laughs> like, who... The Gun Club. Uh, you know, I, there's just so many. There's just so, so many of these tag and they, teams. It's, it's, I know, like, when, what are, where are we going? I don't, I, the, the pairing... I'm sort of intrigued by, but what's going to come from it? Can you see them as AEW tag team champions? No. No. Could you see them making an ROW tag team champion uh, for uh, you know? See them winning those titles? Yeah, probably. Probably. Or I, I just you know, it's the formula of pairing people together. I, I think it it has to do with we have so many people to get in two hours or three hours if you include Rampage. Um, Let's just get them together as a tag team, and that takes care of two of them right there in one match. I don't know, man. I just don't like it. Jericho um, talked about Andrade, and then he talked about Ricky Starks. He said he is a wizard, and he's (laughs) going to show Ricky Starks the deep end and bring him back next week. All right. I want to talk about this, Gino. There was some interesting talk. Um, It's interesting uh, when professional wrestlers get into it with fans. it's easier for me to say, I don't know why these guys and girls do it, but hey, it's their livelihood, and uh, eventually they, they probably snap or read something they don't like and go after it. I don't have a problem with Jericho and Ricky Starks at all. I don't have a problem that keeps Ricky Starks, who you and I think the absolute world of. I thought the world of this guy, you know, from day one. Heck, one of my best professional wrestling pictures I ever take took was on a whim when Ricky Starks was in Beaumont at Hurricane Pro Wrestling and he was coming around the ring post and he started doing these poses for me. This this guy is a star. Somebody tweeted to Chris or somebody included Chris Jericho in a tweet and said, oh great. Starks goes from you know having this FTW championship or whatever it was then a then a week program uh with MJF and now Chris Jericho is going to bury another super another wrestler in AEW so Jericho fires back he gets pretty ugly i don't know what's going to happen here but it would really demoralize probably i, I know it, Ricky Starks may not think that or AEW losing to Chris Jericho hey i can put that on my resume I just no, don't but think back Ricky to back, Starks, no. I don't think Ricky Starks needs to be losing to Chris Jericho. I don't no, care what. Right. Hey, Chris not Jericho right is in my top five. Let me, me put too. that out there. I say it. He's in my top five. He does not need to be beating Ricky Starks. I'm sorry. Right he don't. No, he, he don't. needs to put him over. He needs to put him over in this. And let's hope that that's where we go because Starks still feels like <clears throat> a, a big star right now and someone who's a main eventer on this show and someone who 
you can get back to MJF at some point. Who can wrestle and can cut a damn good His promo, man. I think they are missed good, the boat man. on this guy. I know. So good. We had a quick interview with Strickland and the Mogul Affiliates. I don't know. <laughs> no. So he mentions Parker and this other guy. Yeah. Who's got tattoos all over his face. They're not even giving him a name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they know. get interrupted by Wheeler Yuta. So it's going to be Wheeler Yuta versus Swerve on Rampage. I just, I, I like Swerve. And oh, Swerve, I've always liked Swerve. Man, Swerve's got this, like, he feels like he, he could be a main event heel. Like, he's got that, like, that swag. I don't know. I just don't believe that he would be hanging out with these two guys. No. It, they don't, you? <laughs> no. It's like, it doesn't, it doesn't connect. Like, he, we've seen that he's, you know, with rappers and celebrities and stuff sometimes on social media. And then it's like, these are the two. Post Malone. <laughs> I know. It just doesn't, oh, man. man, it doesn't, I don't, I don't think it fits very well. Now, we then got to the sixth match in the best of seven. And, you know, the this match, I probably liked as one of the most. I thought it was at least a little bit different. But it's just kind of weird because they were, like, building this stuff. And then there's no hammer here. I think everybody sort of knew we were always going to get to a, a, a seventh match because it's always that way. So they're tied 3-3. But, like, as far as the in-ring work stuff, it was... It was fine, like it's no no problems, and this felt a little bit different. So you know we'll get a we'll get a seventh match. But Wade Keller, I was listening to on the PW Torch, and the question he asked about this sort of was why, like what what was the point of the best of seven series? Like, did it do you think either of these teams are more over right now than they were before? Like, does it feel like the Death Triangle guys are more over? I don't know. We haven't really heard of the. The elite cut any promos And as as much as this has been Like a best of seven It's not like they're It's not really been a storyline build It's just been like seven matches All ring work which is is A plus I have no Zero problem and he brings up A valid point and I think you And I asked from the the first Match uh, of the seven You know What investment do we have other than If you just want to watch good wrestling you're not going to get tired of this, of this particular group, seeing them in, in, in different, it, we, we knew someone was going to jump out the death triangle, whatever was going to jump out into a, um, uh, in, into a big lead and the elite were going to come back and I'm with, I'm with Wade and I don't agree with a lot of things he, he has said in the past. I'll say this, not only with him, but with others, the newness has definitely worn off and people are calling mm-hmm. and we've been doing this for day one. People have been calling AEW down the line. What they think, they've not been taken up for them, or all, hey, you can't blame this on Vince, or Vince wouldn't do this. So they've been, I, I, I'll give Wade and those guys credit. Um, I, I just, I'm the same. I like to be invested in something. Yeah, a good wrestling match is fine. Um, I just don't, I, I agree. I don't know what it does for either one of them. Not that they yeah. didn't need, why, why didn't it just do a best of three? I know, it would have been the same. The same sort of thing, right? And yeah, it wasn't like it just didn't feel like there have been stories progressing throughout. They were telling a story about like a hammer, but they weren't really like cutting promos (laughs) and stuff. Uh, A couple more small things to mention on AEW. We 
we got a video with the acclaimed and Billy Gunn responding to Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal and Sanjay Dutt's rap last week. They, man, they dropped some some lines here. They said he's the worst Jeffrey since Dahmer. Oh, you're spending money like it's Kurt Angle's wife. He oh. said Jay Lethal is Ring of Honor's top star from their worst years. He's known oh. for imitating other wrestlers. He said my elbow is better than yours. And we always get the last word. It was it was pretty good, man. They got it was some pretty good. And I'll say this some... about AEW, and we've seen it with, of course, Christian Cage's promos. We've seen it with MJF. I don't think they go to the other star that's getting shot on. Hey, is this okay for us they to t- say? I know. I think they just. I think Dude. they just go for it, man. <laughs> which which is funny sometimes, but then you get it some is. backstage brawls, right? <laughs> yeah, it's true. So we uh, we then got. Um, Ty Mello and Anna J versus Ruby and Nightingale. This was like the comeback match because they broke Ruby Riot's nose, so she's gonna come back and as the babyface get get the big win here, right? <laughs> no, no. Ty Mello and Anna J do. Now let me say this as a just a total counter to what I was saying. I actually think these two girls make a good heel tag team. They I and they're. They're improved in the ring And Ty Mello plays now She sort of understands that everybody hates her So she just plays this like Over the top crazy Female character But this was the match that was supposed to be a win For Ruby right Like, <laughs> what, How bad does Ruby feel Like man when she came in Remember how big a deal it felt like when Ruby came, Ruby Soho came in With the song and the reaction She got and you can feel it sometimes when they put her right in that first ma- feud with Brit. We knew yeah. she was in trouble because she wasn't going to yeah. beat Brit and she was going to lose. And then you were never going to feel well. They didn't build her. They that's the problem. They don't build people. They bring them in. They kind of give them one match towards the top. And then then where do you go? And what's interesting about this match is Ty was supposed to be in Mexico with Sammy defending those triple A Whatever they call it, the mixed tag team champ. They Triple A stripped them of the titles because AEW would not let Ty go because of this of this television show. So weird. It How weird? Just, it, it was very weird. And then once you found that out, it was like. And then they went over. Poor Ruby Soho. Look, she may be the happiest she's ever been. If so, I, I, that's hard to argue Great. because that, yeah. that's that's what matters at the end of the day. How happy are you in where you are in life? But, but for, as far as the way her character has been treated, the way she's been used, this is by far anything worse that WWE had, has ever done to her. I I agree. It just it, it's a bummer for uh, for could, it, 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 honestly, she could appear in the Royal Rumble and all would be well, and she would get a massive massive pop if she returned to the WWE tonight. Her and Liv could get back together, the Riot Squad or whatever. I, you know, it's just a tale of two different companies right now, man. Koopa Loop. We uh, <laughs> we have a couple more bowl games left, my man, and you have been rolling. Oh. You've been rolling. Um, <laughs> I've had a good bowl stretch. Also, you talk have, to us, brother. Talk to us about uh about what you're looking at for these next round of bowl games. We got the big ones coming up. We got a lot of these New Year's Day. We got the college football playoff as we record here on Thursday. What uh what are you looking at in the next few days? Man, I tell you what, you've been on a fantastic roll. I saw your uh, your record uh, in in the bowl games. 
uh, that you posted. And again, I just tell people all the time that, that people that are trying to pay for services or do this or do that, if they're not following you on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, there's, there's so many different dynamics of sports gambling that you're giving you and your guests are giving people uh, for free. Appreciate that, Coop. And one of those guests is you, who has been rolling all <laughs> well, look, year. As your... I told you, as I told you, there's horseshoes coming out of a particular uh, end uh, area for you right now. It's 38 to 13 with Arkansas and Kansas. We've got 31 points in the first quarter, and then everybody goes into run mode. And four minutes left, I texted you, and I'm like. I just can't believe all this offense stopped. And then within seconds, uh, it's 55 to 53. So that was good. Just awesome. You know, I, I've been, I've got a couple of little things to talk about for college football. And then I, I've got to cut a promo real quick about the NFL because something's driving me crazy. Okay. Um, I, I'm leaning with UCLA over Pitt. I think Pitt is decimated with injuries and players not playing. I, I think yep. UCLA covers that. It's hard to go against Alabama. They've got Bryce Young playing. But, man, I think K-State is just one of those underdog teams. They've got a running football machine. Um, if Alabama stops that run, then K-State may be in trouble. But I think K-State beating TCU, being disrespected going into this bowl game this weekend, I think they have a shot. But I'm yeah, going go to go You know, their uh, losses this year were – what in the middle of the year when they had some injury issues too? Yeah, they They've always do that. They always pull good. the card, man. They always they're they're very very physical for a Big Twelve team. And hey, look, this week we saw Texas Tech, who is never known for physicality. They put they 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 took Ole Miss to the woodshed. And look, Kansas was dead in the water. And I'm not talking about top tier SEC teams, but Ole Miss was in the top ten at mm-hmm. one point in this season, right? Kansas came back and roared back on Arkansas. K-State's not your average Big 12 team as far as being very, very physical. And I think if if they can avoid an or, an early onslaught, I think they can have a chance to cover here. But the game I like, I, I, I've been liking overs. I go to U, USC and Tulane. I, that spread is so low, it scares me. I, it, it's very, very low. As you, as you said, this is your Trojan team. Are they motivated? This is Tulane, who's the conference champion. This game kind of reminds me of the Chick-fil-A uh, Peach Bowl a couple of years ago. Houston came in as uh, whatever they were then, the Conference USA champion, and beat Florida State. I don't know. I'm hoping we can get some scoring out of this. Yeah, because Spears for here. Tulane is is a good running back, and USC yes. is really bad stopping the run. But you, uh, Caleb will be playing here, sure, and they do sure. still have playmakers. And, I, I, you know, the more I was thinking about it, because you're right, like, you know, USC very easily could be playing for the national championship right now if they would have won that game against Utah. But at the at the same time, this is a team that was four and eight a year ago. Right. They, so it's not as if they were like they're Alabama or a team like that who's always a perennial top team. This team really flipped, and I think they want to go out on a good note. Caleb feels good right now about winning the Heisman. So at I like Tulane cares more about winning this game because Tulane hasn't been in a bowl game like this. I think since 1940, you know, right, like a right. big bowl game like this, and they've had an awesome year. But I do think at the least USC will score in this game. So I agree with you. I think you're on the right play there with the over. Yeah, I, I, I like 62. It, it uh, over 62. I think that's what I got it at. And yep. if I'm gonna if I'm gonna bet on a side, I would bet USC. I I, I think that I. I I don't know how much pressure is is on Leak and Riley, but I I think they're going to be motivated enough. I, I don't think T- Tulane is going to sc- scare anyone. They don't. They can score some points. 
Um, I've seen them play a couple of times on television. Uh, they'll be gacked up. But USC didn't pay all this money and raise all this NIL money to lose to, and I'm not, no disrespect to Tulane, to lose to Tulane in a bowl game. So I don't think motivation is going to be a factor. If you watch no, the because- Texas, if you watch the Texas Bowl, there was zero motivation on Ole Miss's sideline. Now in the second half, they got it in gear. I mean, Dart was that dude took a beating and, and almost brought that team back. But I don't think you're going to have a problem with USC being motivated against the conference champion here. I just yeah, like we up. said, it's there's just too many Lincoln Riley's first year. Caleb Williams yeah. is coming back next year, right? Sure. It's not like he's a quarterback who's leaving. Like they want, they don't want to just mail it in right now. Sure. They still are sure. looking at recruits and being in a national TV game like this and and getting a nice win. So yeah, I, I earlier I thought they might be a little deflated, but now knowing that Caleb's going to play. Sure. And that they and he's, still and, are gonna... and he's probably a lot healthier too. You know, yeah, absolutely. Him good. Yep. And, I and think that so de- and that Greenway de- defense not going to scare anybody. Real quick, the NFL. Cut your promo. I, Let's hear it. Uh, yeah. Look, uh, let me tell you my bets first. Uh, I like I like Green Bay. I think Minnesota. Uh, you talk about horseshoes. Green Bay uh, minus three and a half. Big home game this week with Minnesota. Rodgers is fifteen and one straight up from game 13 and out to finish the season. Ooh, I, I don't I like know that. what Minnesota's been doing. They may go up there and wax Green Bay, but I think their luck runs out this week. Um, I lost some money on the Seattle uh, Seahawks a couple of weeks ago. I'm not going to lose money this week. I'm going to take their plus one and a half against the Jets, who are done with Zach Wilson. I like this stat here. Seattle 10-0 against the spread, coming off two consecutive underdog losses. Now, here's my promo. Okay, I just the NFL is so crazy and wacky how they decide tiebreakers. Jacksonville's at Houston this week. Indianapolis is uh, who does Indy play this? Or no, Tennessee. Tennessee plays Dallas, right? Tennessee plays Dallas and Houston's at Jacksonville. Tennessee's already told you earlier in the week. We're, 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 we're shutting down. They're not even starting Malik Willis at quarterback. Or Henry. Or Henry, right? Look, if, if Malik Willis is your quarterback for next week in the game that matters against Jacksonville and he starts, why wouldn't you start him? I don't know. I, that, that's, that really drives me insane. So I want to talk about Houston and Jacksonville. Okay. This is another, get another, it doesn't matter for Jacksonville, but Hey, they've been one of the hottest teams in the NFL. I think they're five and two, maybe six and two in their last eight. Houston is terrible. They just are, but they're probably the best two win team Probably in the history of the NFL, they're nine and zero straight up in their last nine games against Jacksonville. Nine and zero, and here's an interesting stat: Jacksonville is zero and eleven straight up against a team coming off an underdog win. Now I don't know how important this game is for Jacksonville. This well, game, no, it's not. Like you said, it's not really. And, it's not, and, and here's the flip side of it. Okay, so Houston has two games left: Jacksonville and at Indianapolis. The Chicago Bears, who are neck and neck with the with the first and second pick with Houston, are at Detroit and Minnesota. Detroit is bad, but they're so much better at home. They're probably they're probably going to beat Chicago if Houston wins one of their last two games, and the Bears lose to Detroit and Minnesota, which they probably they could do, lose the number one pick. Chicago's going to go number one and probably trade that pick or draft Bry- Bryce Young because that's who the Texans are all in on. That's yeah. who the Texans are all in on, on Young from Alabama, who's yet to say he's coming out, but the Texans have made 
this market, that's all they're talking about is bringing this guy in. He wants to be there. They're, they're Vince Young. Uh, they're Deshaun Watson, minus the, the masseuses and all that. I just, this is going to be an interesting game between Jacksonville and Houston. If Houston wins this game, you know, the spread has kind of went up a little bit. I think it opened at three, minus four and a half. I'm not going to take a stand on this game. I just had to get all of that out. This is just the craziest I've seen in what the, the final two weeks of the tiebreakers. Houston is two, one and one in this division. Okay, two, one and one in this division. And that's what's crazy about this this very weak division. You have the Titans who've lost, what, eight or nine in a row, who are playing for a division title next week. Anyway, Green Bay minus three and a half, Seattle plus one and a half. That's my picks. Chad Coop dishing out NFL <laughs> picks, dishing out college football picks and cutting promos. We love it, brother. Uh, thank you so much, buddy. I know we're both a little under the weather. Appreciate we uh, you helping us out again, like always this week. And I look forward to talking to you in the new year next week. Happy New Year, Gino. You too, my man. Have a nice holiday. Stay safe over there and uh, talk to you again real soon. Yes, sir. That's Chad Cooper. Give him a follow at the Chad Cooper on Instagram and on Twitter. And we'll be back with plenty more on That's What G Said in just a minute. Don't go anywhere. That's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said podcast. If you need a little help with the college bowl games, just come on to social media. It's me, Gino B. I'll have a full preview of all of the rest of the college bowl games. That'll be starting Friday morning from Friday through Monday. So if you need a little help with those, we've got you taken care of there. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. A very happy new year to everyone. Sorry that we uh, were a little under the weather this week, but we'll be back hopefully voice all rested up and ready to rock next week right here on That's What She Said.